gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the internet. Here in the basement of the Great Hall of Justice are the most powerful forces for good podcasting ever assembled. This is the DC Superpowers Podcast. This looks like a job for Superman. To the Batmobile. My name is John Jones. I am the Green Arrow. Hey, Super Friends, welcome back to the DC Superpowers Podcast, issue number 68, for New Comic Book Day, August 9th, 2017. I'm your host, Ken Rose, sitting along with me here in the basement of the Hall of Justice is my good buddy, Vern. Hello, everybody, hello. Vern, how you been this week, man? Good, good, good. We've got a lot of interesting news coming out. One I'm really excited for, we have a cast for a young teenage uh, superhero. Yes, and we actually, now that they've announced that they're doing Shazam... We are getting all kinds of information about this. Oh, yeah. There's a rumor. There's some news. And there might be a fan cast, I hope, that actually happens. Oh, they've already... Well, I'm sure someone already has the podcast addresses for doing Shazam. Yeah. Um, what else do we got here? We got some news still a little bit coming out of Comic-Con. Not too much. We got some video game news. Got some comic news, of course. Uh, what else do we got here? Oh, we got um, a little bit of casting. Well, we got the casting news, but um, we have some Legends of Tomorrow and some um, Gotham news and a little bit out of Flash. So why don't we jump right into the first one is the one you're all excited about. Oh, yeah. We, we've been waiting for this. This one's all yours, man. Go ahead. Dudes, guys, girls, whoever's out there listening, we finally got our cast for Raven in the new Titans live-action TV series. Uh, Tegan Croft, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, that's what it looks like to me. Um, she's a young Australian actress. She's uh, 13 years old. Tegan Croft has played in Home Away and the Osiris Child, and she has finally been cast as a dark magical hero, Raven. Um, this uh, will be an adaptation of the upcoming TV show that will premiere on DC's direct consumer streaming service and cast. Which we still don't even have huge. a. Um, we still don't even have a name for this. No, service we don't. That they're doing. I like how they found somebody already. Yeah, <laughs> we don't even have the name of the actual well, streaming service yet. This does make it look like um, they are casting a younger teen. Is going to be a Teen Titans, not just Titans. Right. Yeah, and that's what we were trying to figure out when we saw the logo. It was like, okay, Titans. Now is this going to be them being portrayed older, and maybe we can get a little bit of their backstory already? Or they're going to be from the ground up. Yeah, but or, but what's the, the chances that maybe Raven comes in as a um, younger teenager, but you're still looking at Robin and Starfire and some of the other ones oh, being yeah. older on like 18, 19. That's what I was going to say. I think they're taking the route what they're doing in Rebirth right now. Uh, Dick Grayson was the original leader, and then he left and became leader of Titans, which we haven't even touched on yet. From what it seems like, yeah. they're casting Starfire, Beast Boy, Raven, and just Dick Grayson. Um, I'm pretty sure Beast Boy is going to be young as Raven and uh, Starfire, and Dick will be older. They'll be the parents of the group. Yes. So, um, and it's interesting that they announced Raven, but they've not announced anybody else yet. No, not yet. I, you know, I thought as they were going to get Dick Grayson. Do we even first. have a showrunner yet? No. Not yet. I know we we announced a writer a couple weeks ago, right? But the, and thirteen episodes. Real close to vest. What's going on? Because we know Jeff Johnson's announced that they're starting production within a couple of weeks of now. Yep, and he just uh, put on his Twitter when was this? July twenty first. Oh, this is starting this week. So it started a couple weeks ago. Of I guess everything that's going on right well, now. Well, they got to start the writing way before they start anything. Oh else. yeah. Um, so, so we'll we'll figure out a little bit more as time goes by. But I thought it was really interesting though that we got Raven before we got uh, Dick Grayson, at least that we yeah. know of. Well, yeah, they may, they may be holding. Depends on well, also if they're going to get a someone to play Dick Grayson as an actual name. Mm-hmm. Some of the that people who are going to recognize they're probably going to hold off on that for a minute. Well, 
Stephen Amell, did he play in anything prior? That Not much. Major as far, most of Mark Guggenheim's casting choices has been relative unknowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grant Gustin, of course, was in Glee. Right. Um, and so was Melissa Benoist. But other than that, and, uh, most Caitlin of the rest Snow, has been um, very... I forget the actress's name, but she played in uh, Sky High, so that was where I knew her yeah. from. But it was it's people that are not like um would have been would have been considered a list mm-hmm. um, TV talent, which yeah, is what you want. You want to build a um them to be able to build a character without bringing in baggage from everything else they've ever done. Just like Josh Sweden said on um uh, on that interview we did a couple weeks ago or probably a couple months ago, he wanted to find an actress that's for Black Batgirl, someone we don't know, someone exactly. that we haven't seen on TV before. So I like what they're doing. They got an Australian actress, thirteen years old. Never really heard of her, and let's see what she can do on the screen. By the way, she's blonde headed. Yeah, there is hair dye we have well, in Hollywood. <laughs> I don't. Know, I don't know. That's a really, really dirty blonde. It is. You so, think she could just stay like that? I don't know. It depends on what they're going to do with her. I, I it think depends need, on how emo they go with Raven. They need to go very emo, very goth, very dark. I I want to see the Devil's Daughter in here. I, I, yeah, I see it. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. Is like, are we going to ever actually get a chance to see Trigon in the live action Titans? You know, we'll probably get a form of him, but we're not going to go, oh, look at him. He's 50 feet tall. <laughs> we're you not going to get that. But we, we never know. We never know. Um, and the next story you actually brought up, too, there's a little bit of Flash news. Yeah. Um, now, we've seen from the trailers mm-hmm. that we know Caitlin Snow is going to be in this, and it looks like she's actually part of the team. Caitlin is. So that, it looks like. But yeah, the, according to this article, we may be getting both Killer Frost and Caitlin. Well, from a, so what's going on with this? Um, well, from what the article says, at the end of season three, as we all know, uh, Team Flash endured a departure of their beloved Star Labs resident biochemist, uh, Dr. Caitlin Snow, who was in the mindset of an identity crisis at the time as a metahuman-powered alter-ego Killer Frost. Fans rejoiced in the news to their returning uh, Caitlin, but also the actress, Daniel uh, Panabaker, that's her name. Um, Daniel says she's a fan of both sides of Caitlyn, and she looks forward to getting both an equal exposure this year. What, I quote, what I can say to fans is who love Caitlyn Snow won't be disappointed, and fans who love Killer Frost won't be disappointed. She did say at San Diego Comic-Con 2017, one of the things I wanted to explain last season that I don't know, and this is me saying this, the fans didn't know either, she says it wasn't totally clear, I didn't know what we have there, uh, have an answer yet, is why she's so evil as Killer Frost and not totally sure if everything she does causes her physical body of Caitlyn Snow to act so badly. So I'd like a little bit more uh, about, know a little bit more about her motivation and why. And that was uh, one thing uh, me and my cousin were talking about on the phone. We were trying to figure out what made her evil. We know, as we discussed in yeah. the comic books, she needed the heat from people to stay alive. Exactly. That and that's motivation. actually a relative, that's a new development for um killer frost and just the history of killer frost mm-hmm. okay because traditionally she did that wasn't anything for she didn't ah, have that okay i thought that was something she always no hoped, and so. as far as i know i mean i may be wrong but because mm-hmm. i know the one i really know of was the caitlin frost killer snow from the new rebirth series yeah um but i thought it was perfect motivation in tv series it was like she's caitlin snow cool she's a she's a doctor then she goes killer frost why is she so evil? It seemed like she was just being evil for the sake of being bad. Yeah. Um, so she's gonna, they're going to tap more into that and get some answers, and the actress even wanted to know that. Now, that's what you call really getting into your character. If there's mm-hmm. no motivation, it's kind of like, why am I doing this? Um, so that's going to be really good to know, and I can't wait to see her. Now, the question I have is, she's going to be more anti-hero, or is she going to be more villain, like she was in the third season? We don't know. That would, that's what we wait to find out. <laughs> we do, and we have, how many uh, more months do we have till the season uh, We have back? until beginning of October. So we still got another two and a half months or so. Yeah, that's not. Two that's months? gonna be here before we know it. Oh yeah, 
Um, but that was some of the Flash news. Now this kind of go next one is kind of leads into Flash. Or yeah, off sort of. of Flash. Well, it actually uses some Flash stuff because um, we got some Le- Legends of Tomorrow news. Now we know the big bad for Flash. We know it's going to be the Thinker. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have Arrow yet, do we? For the big bad for the season? No, no, no. no. It's going to have something to do with Richard Dragon, probably. Yeah, but is he going to be the big bad or is he? I, I don't know. He's already going to work with a big bad. We I don't feel know. like he's going to work with a big bad. I'm really. Well, not we know sure. for Supergirl, we're going to have Rain. Mm-hmm. Well, for Legends of Tomorrow, we saw last year the Legion of Doom. I thought worked really, really well. I thought that was great. And they, that was fantastic. They had the way they did this. characteristics everybody perfectly and made them even more interesting than I seen them in the books. Well, they because of the um, Legion of Doom and how well it worked uh, at the 2017 TV Critics Association Pre- Summer Press Tour that um, was, I believe, last week or the week before. Um, executive producer Phil Klemmer. And Mark Guggenheim sat and discussed some of the elements of the, the new team team of supervillains that's going to be at um, Legends this year. And so we are not getting Legion of Doom. It's going to be another name. And they actually have another name hmm. for this. Hmm. They haven't told anybody what it is. But some of the quotes here were, um, at the head of whatever you want, at the head of whatever you want to call our evil organization, it's different. Last year, it was three characters from three different shows that formed this alliance. This is a non-human entity. Um, yeah, um, this is much more supernatural, Hmm. or this is a much more supernatural spooky vibe this season. We're dealing more with magic. It's less real world bad guys. Now, Clemmer also, um, was keen to let everybody, or to not reveal the name of the character or what character it was, but promised it would reveal, um, or that, that it would be revealed in the opening episode of season three, um, and said to be there's some there's a new character that's said to be um, more in the world of a cult and monsters. Huh, cult and monsters. That is spooky. now we do know that Damien Dark is coming back this season. Um, he's coming back from the dead um, following his death on Arrow. Uh, Dark is going to be joined by Gorilla Grodd. Awesome, as another member of the team. So that's two of the people in this team. Now, some more of the quotes actually they had from here was Damien Dark is going to be the leader of this group in the, in the way that Thawne was sort of the boss of the Legion last year. Uh, this group is distinct, distinctly led up uh, or led up by Damien. Then Guggenheim added, uh, we have a fun way of br- to bring him back that kind of plays into the season-long mythology. Uh, then as for Grodd, Clemmer had to say, it will be a version of him that we have not met yet in any of the shows. Hmm. It will be the most evolved and powerful form of Grodd. We're actually breaking the episode now. So they're getting ready to start that episode now. Okay. Now, um, now it says we're going to see, uh, um, we're actually going to see a post Grilla city Grodd where legends will, um, where the legends are going to learn that Grodd's sympathetic and sad plight, um, where one team, one of the team will take the bait for Grodd's side of thing, side of things. So someone's going to believe Zod or Grodd, Grodd. not Zod. The other then, <laughs> um, the last quote they had on here was, um, we want to give you the sense of a group. We like we did last year because it was a lot of fun. It was, there'll be a little bit more rotation. Also, we can give you a little bit more variety. So that means there may be more than just the three members. Okay. I would like, like we say, we don't know what the name of them will be, but I love the way they characterize all the characters in the Legion of Doom. I know they weren't friends, but boy, do they make me laugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then later on, the, this here does go down. The, um, as the 
the article here was um, talking about the um, press junket. It says, um, he said, now Guggenheim did say he does have a name for the supergroup um, and that he would, quote, like to see referenced on the show. Um, then season three will deal with anachronisms, which we've already talked about some, which is basically um, figures throughout history appearing in time periods that are not their own. And we did see this past week that they've um, Julius Caesar is going to be in an episode because they've cast him. Okay. I didn't put it up on the list here, and I don't remember the name. But I know we are going to get Julius Caesar. We know the first episode, it looks like, is going to be P.T. Barnum with Billy Zane playing mm-hmm. P.T. Barnum. Which we did uh, mention that a couple mm-hmm. couple episodes ago. Now, the mysterious villain for season three is, quote, exploiting these fractures to sort of further their glo- global evil purpose. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see what we do with this. The way they put that could be anybody from D.C. Uh Uh-huh. I'm trying to see if there's anything else in here to pull out. Uh, Oh, additionally, Paul Blackthorn is hoped is they're hoping he's going to appear as Quentin Lance in season three, episode five. Hmm. Um, Although it's not officially locked in. And Wentworth Miller is definitely coming back as a bizarro version of Captain Cold. A bizarro version of Captain Cold. Mm -hmm. What do they mean by that? I don't know. That that could be taken both ways of he's going to be really good or he's going to be really bad. Well, in the, uh, yeah. I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we've seen yeah. him both sides, so well, that's interesting. The other one that's got a lot of people really, really excited was um, – and they've made no secret of this. The, um, the Cle- Clemmer actually confirmed straight up in this panel that um, they are actively campaigning to get Matt Ryan to come on the show as Constantine. Please. Either just for a small part of this season or maybe even a full season next year. Have him maybe join the Legends. You know how everybody, when they now read a Batman comic book, most of the voice that comes in their head is Kevin Conroy's Batman or Joker or Mark Hamill. Oh, that I didn't put that up here either. Did you hear? Did you see the, um, I believe it was the Nerdist. Um, They're now, the Nerdist is now sponsoring the Talking Tunes podcast that um, um, Rob Paulson does. Remember I told you about that one? Well, I guess they had Kevin Conroy on there. And they had Rob Paulson and Kevin Conroy back and forth doing the um, Batman monologue. Oh, from the end that of was, I did see that on Knight. social media. I didn't know where that came. It was from. interesting to hear Kevin Conroy's Batman doing. Yeah, and it sounded it. It was great. Well, that, it sounded like Batman. I know, Kevin right? Conroy is Batman. He's Batman. Well, that's Brian what I, Daly is Superman, and that's the way I feel about Matt Matt Ryan. He is Constantine. Every time I pick exactly. up a Hellblazer book, I hear him in mm-hmm. my head. Just this, I hear his voice. That's Constantine. That to me is the best Constantine we'll ever have. Yeah. It's been it's yeah he was been perfect so far. Every time they've had him do mm-hmm. it, he's he's owned that character basically. And he keeps coming back. Seems like even for animated movies or TV shows. Well, if you if you read the Hellblazer comic, it's actually started to look like Matt Ryan now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Constantine been, in the books is look, looking like him. And he seems like he's just owing for whatever DC wants him. It's like, hey, we got Constantine back. You want to come and do it? He's like, yeah, I'll do it. Exactly. So yeah, he's worked his way into the DC family. Well. I believe the next one is, I believe we got what? what? Yeah, one more TV news item, and it's from the realm of Gotham. Now, we know from um, from different things before that um, uh, David, oh, I never remember his last name, but the kid who plays um, Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne. It starts with an M, but um, he's already said that he's hoping we are going to see a Batman at some point on the show. I hope it, not too soon. I'll be okay well, with seeing him, just not too soon. Well, it looks like um, they've already... They've mentioned here who is it? The, the executive producers John Shef- Stevens or executive producer John Stevens during a a Comic Con panel um, mentioned that um, how we're actually going to see Batman to start with. 
we're not going to see just the regular, the Batman you expect to see right away. Good. Um, it says um, he will wear body armor and grappling hooks, but um, he will not be Batman this season. Hmm. So oh. he is going to be going out as a vigilante, but he doesn't have a name yet. Qu- question. It's a little more Batman Year One in a different setting. Oh, I was going to say now, didn't Frank Miller write Batman Year One? I believe so, yeah. And now, actually, that's touched on later on here, too. I don't know why I'm just now thinking this, but as we're reading this article, what just popped in my head was, now, Frank Miller also did the Daredevil. Uh, it was like a year one. I forget the exact yeah, name. Yeah, I forget it. what they called it. Is that? I think that might be the route they're going here. Make it's him possible. that vigilante Batman-esque feel, but he's yeah. nowhere near looking like Batman. His name's not Batman. He's still learning. He doesn't have his equipment. I think that might be what they're doing. He might run around in a hood and uh, some tennis shoes. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we did see in the Series 3 finale, um, well, actually, let me back up just a little bit farther. Now, Gotham has spent the last three seasons detailing the early steps of some of DC's most famous heroes and villains. Um, we've already seen a young Bruce Wayne, which we are just talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Gordon, which we've seen from um, the trailer, I believe. And um, a couple other sources I've seen on here that I guess we do get a Commissioner Gordon this season. Or he does... Um, become Commissioner. Yeah, become Commissioner at some point here. Do you th- uh, curious, do you think that's a little too soon? I don't. Uh-huh. I don't know. I think I. I personally, I wouldn't mind him switching up to captain first. I switch his spots with Harvey because Harvey really that's not his, his spot. spot. No, not at all. That was the thing about last season. I liked what he was doing the first two seasons better yeah. than the last. Was like that's not really you. Well, we have also we know we've seen uh, big parts from the Penguin and Riddler. Oh yeah, um, Catwoman mm-hmm. is at the end of last season is becoming Catwoman. Catwoman yeah. Uh, the Scarecrow we know is coming back this season. We saw Rachel Ghoul last season. And see, Ray is one of those characters you can put him anywhere. Mm-hmm. He's he's a he's immortal. <laughs> and we've seen a version of the Joker, even if this isn't the fine, this isn't actually him. Yeah, I we don't know. The weird thing is, I know I was complaining earlier about the Joker and everything, but this isn't a bad take on the Joker. It seems like fans are really warming up to this version of you took, the Joker. You took a while for me to just to finally talk you into that this is an Elseworlds. This isn't the main continuity of Batman. Well, also, the other thing that's doing it for me, we'll touch on this a little later, but the video game, um, the Telltale game, mm-hmm. it's like they're mixing a couple things. It's like they got a mixture of Gotham, they got a mixture of the Batman Begins, they have a little bit of the Dark Knight, or I guess the same thing, the Dark Knight series, and a little bit of... Um, it's everything. Yeah. It's like they're becoming a prequel to what Batman really becomes, and he's still learning. He's still young. So just seeing how they can take a different interpretation of that with this, too, it's not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Well, we did see, remember at the end of season three in the finale, we did finally see the Bruce Wayne oh, don a cape of some of sorts. It looked like more of a and jacket. Body armor, and basically, he was taking to the streets as a And he had a ski mask on. Like you say, it looked like something yeah. out of the Batman Begins movie when he was just exactly. jumping across rooftops. So, um, but Stevens expanded on um, this extended origin, um, commenting during the Comic Con roundtable, saying, "I'd say visually, when you look at what Bat- Bruce is going to be doing this season, it's going to look far closer to what our concept conception of Batman is definitely going to be. Uh, you're also going to get to see him do very specific things." Um, certain elements, like when you watch Bruce Wayne acting like a playboy, we sort of we sort of ask the question, how did he learn to do that so well? Well, maybe there's a time that he wasn't pretending to um, to be that. Then um, he also teased that, um, and we actually play with a little bit of Bruce having a teenage or a teenage spiral, where he enjoys the elements of being a billionaire with no parents in Gotham. Mm-hmm. So he gets to start going a little crazy. And then he finishes it up this time with um, that he can draw from 
later to become the fake Playboy. Mm-hmm. Now, um, like you said, uh, Batman Year One was actually written by Frank Miller and David Mazzuccielli. Um, it's one of the, according to this, it's one of the most iconic and influential Batman stories telling the earliest days of Bruce Wayne's crime fighting um, career while establishing the Cape Crusaders relationship with Officer James Gordon, yep. um, th- who becomes the police commissioner and one of Batman's closest allies. Now, have you um, have you read the book? No, I haven't. I got upstairs, I gotta let you borrow this. Since you let me borrow the death suit, man, I gotta let you borrow year one Batman. I have a, you know, the stack of trades I have sitting around because I had, I need to read Read, these. Yeah, Uh, but that it's really good. Um, The heaviest thing I ever seen pulled out there was the Batman Begins movie. I mean, that thing. If you watch, if you watch that movie and then also read the book, you're like, oh my goodness, this is so many things pulled out of here. Yeah, Um, and it seems like they're trying to now go with that to get to the level of what happened in Batman Year One because there was uh, Commissioner Gordon, but wasn't Commissioner yet. He was leading into that, so we might see a little bit of esque of that this season, which it seems like they're going for. Yeah. So I can't. And here it says actually right here, year one helped inspire the filmmaker Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins movie. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> okay. Well, um, that's all they had for Gotham really in this. It looks like it's going to be interesting to see what they do and how far they're going to go without actually putting on the official cape and cowl. Yeah, like I said, I really what I think they're going to do is what the Batman, uh, not Batman, I'm sorry, the Daredevil series did with Netflix. is like, we're going to make him not Daredevil, but we will see him close to the mm-hmm. end of it, but we are going to give you a vigilante. Exactly. So, um, but that's all for TV. Now, we get into Shazam everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Guys, we've got like a slate of Shazam, Shazam stuff. It's going to take a little, a little mm-hmm. bit of our time, but... Well, the first one is you. You got this one. Uh, David S. Sandberg on Sajam. Um, he's getting to know his character. Or getting now, to- David F. Sandberg, if anybody doesn't know, is the director of Shazam. This is the only person we know of on the crew so far, I believe. Oh, yeah, we have no actors. I mean, I was going to say Black Adam, but that's not really Well, yeah, that's not for the, the movie. Shazam movie, though. No, he's in the universe, but not the movie. So the only one we know about this is uh, the director. Now, the director said he's done his research on the character, and he's not familiar with the character at all. But David did say um, he's the director in the upcoming Shazam, and he went on to source in an interview talking about uh, he was it wasn't a uh, character he grew up with it was uh, published in sweden where he's from in the 70s so it was a little bit before his time but he was familiar with the justice league and it's not until that he uh was start to get to know comic books and reading a lot of the old ones so jeff johns the jeff john ones and the power Shazam is what he's looking at and a bunch of the animation so he's really getting to know the character now that's actually the fact that he's going through the power Shazam. that's the one i was actually collecting power Shazam. that was the one from the 90s yeah oh the 90s that's okay a, it was a beautiful book um i actually have a, the trade at home from the beginning of it there's so, so many... if he's looking at that for to get the idea of the character then this is going to be a Shazam everybody should recognize. Now also, what didn't he play a big part in Kingdom Come 2? Yes. Uh, wasn't that the storyline where he basically beat Superman up pretty bad in there, right? He was uh, taking that fight through him most of the I believe so, time. yeah. Okay. I gotta remember, I gotta get out, get out Kingdom Come because I have the four issues. I don't have the actual trade. Okay. Well, uh, I remember reading somewhere in there that he was taking it to Superman. That actually showed him being Earth's mightiest human. Yeah. We had an Amazon warrior. We had a Kryptonian. Batman's smart, but Billy Baston is the the he's yeah. the mightiest human well, you on gotta earth. Think, Shazam, if you the, the, at the base, um, Superman, what's his um, is vulnerable to kryptonite, right? And magic, right? Well, Shazam has all the all power of Superman and magic based in magic, right? Well, it's a ma- it's all his powers are magic and uh, are magic based. That's where he gets his powers are from the magic of the wizard. And one of the first few episodes we did when Rebirth all started coming about. 
if you remember in Hellblazer with Swamp Thing and Constantine, they were trying to figure out, man, we need heavier magic than this. And it was Diana and Shazam. They had to talk to Swamp Thing because, like, this is darker magic. We're, we're magic yeah. characters, but we're not. So seeing both of them now in the universe, seeing a lot more magic of Shazam, this is going to be a great way, I think, to transition mm-hmm. to even being a liar tone, which we'll touch on a little bit right here. Um, he also said in the interview, this will be a very different than what I've been used to uh, because I'm a horror movie guy. And he has made a horror movie. If I'm correct, he made, let me look here, he did Annabelle Creation. Okay. Um so that's something he's been used to. He's been doing horror movies longer. But he did say this is going to be much lighter tone than a horror movie, but it's something he's looking forward to trying out. Even though I plan on returning back to horror at some part in the future, my background in Sweden before I started doing horror shorts, he was doing animation comedy shorts. So this is totally alien. This is not totally alien to him, um, even though he has... Uh, he's going to be taking more of a comedy approach. He looks forward to taking on this feature. So... He's willing to take a change, but he has done comedy in the past, so we're mm-hmm. going to see something new with that with DC. And I think DC needs a lot more lighter tone. That's what, yeah, they've. That's one thing in all the different articles we've found about Shazam so far that they keep pressing that this is going to be the lightest tone movie of all, which is what you need for Shazam. Right. I think you, you need- got to remember Shazam is a hero with all the power of Superman. He and he's got the size and the strength and all these. But he's a 13-year-old boy right, inside. Right, He's a, a kid. A 10- to 13-year-old boy. Yeah, he's a kid. Exactly. Um, so, um, But the next article we actually have was um, David Sandberg is trying to get in good with the fans. He's a, he actually tweeted out a page, the first, one page of the final draft of the script. Mm-hmm. Now, and they actually have it here. Now, I was wondering, is he trolling us? Is this real? Is well, this we'll fake? find out. Let's <laughs> read through it and find out. Um, according to the his Twitter, he said, um, uh, at... Henry Guyton, which is the... Um, I thought you were going to say Henry Cavill for a hot no, Henry Guyton <laughs> is the um, script writer. This latest draft is perfect. Hashtag Shazam. And then it shows the picture, which it didn't pop up. Let me give me a minute. Let me bring it up, the picture. Uh, come on. I got it if you... Yeah. Want me to take Read over. through it. There's a couple of places you're going to have to skip words, but... <laughs> okay, well... I'm... For our... For us. Um... A blue and red blur zooms past the sky, Billy Bastion. Holy moly, what's that? The blue and red blur zooms and lands with a, I do not know what that says, Nar- what the heck is <laughs> Krakow or something like Krakow. that? Krakow. Is that like the it's lightning bolt? It's supposed to be a sound effect. Okay. Onto the ground. It's Superman. Billy Bashan. He says, oh, <laughs> not saying that word. Uh, hold my beer. <laughs> what is, I, I'm sorry. Hold my re- beer, Tawny. Um, Billy um, hands his beer to a dapper tiger standing next to him meow shazam billy baston and defeating thunder uh defining thunder as uh lightning hits billy and turns him into a world's mightiest mortal captain at shazam i like how yeah. i did the day captain, captain uh wait a minute wait not captain shazam, shazam. Uh, i wish he would have said captain marvel anyways back to another whooping huh oh no uh superman quickly puts up a pair of glasses <laughs> Not reading that either. Like a sissy, I'll put that in there. Hey, where did he go? Excuse me, Mr. Kent. Did you see Superman where he went? Uh, Superman says, sorry, wait, does your suit have a hood on it? Uh, Shazam says, don't know, does it? Shazam turns around so Superman can have a closer look. Superman kicks Shazam in the back like a coward. Superman trolls... Mustache. 
So obviously, <laughs> this is David Sandberg having a little fun with the f- crowd. I'm sorry, just I I can picture his twirls mustache. Hmm. Well, the yeah, hurt on you. Wait a minute. Twirl's mustache. What's the big controversy right now with Kendrick Cavill? Yeah, he has a mustache. mustache. Yeah, so this is. A, I think he's trolling right here. Yeah, uh, this is obvious. He is, but some of these elements could be there because Tawny is an actual talking Tawny is an element in the Shazam comics, which is, is that a the tiger? walking talking tiger. Yeah. Now, and what I believe he's um he was originally Billy Batson's like stuffed tiger or something. I don't remember exactly how it worked. I think the power of Shazam actually the magic of the wizard actually allows Tawny to become real. Now, have you ever seen um the Return of Black Adam? Nah, I don't know. I oh, might have. Dude. No, the movie, yeah. Oh, okay. I was about to say that is one of the best interpretations of Superman, Shazam, and Black Adam I've ever seen. It really yeah. Um, for you guys out there don't know about, basically, Billy Baston um, is going to get an interview for being a homeless child at this orphanage. Not homeless yeah. child, a, a orphan at this orphanage, and they need to talk somebody that, you know, really embodies the spirit of hope. And that's Billy Baston, and the person that's interviewing him is Clark Kent. As soon as they're having their interview, now this was awesome, you saw Clark Kent and Billy just mm-hmm. sitting down eating breakfast. Just, well, in this process, this is when Black Adam finally comes back... Um, being casted out by the Widget Sazam, and he's like, you know what? Somebody else is going to get my power. I don't want that. So he's trying to stop the boy throughout the movie, and then he actually does become Sazam, and him and Superman have to fight. The thing is, Superman kind of gets pushed like a third wheel because he doesn't have magic. These mm-hmm. two do, so it's really not helping him at all. Yeah. Um, and then you get to see why Black Adam wasn't really worthy of having that mantle when Billy Baston was because he has the heart of a child, and most children are pure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really thought that was a great story. But um, reading this, do you think we actually might get Superman into the Sazam movie at some point? Uh, it's Even if possible. It's not the first one, maybe I have the heard one. rumors that supposedly Gal Gadot is already locked in to do part of the Shazam movie at some point. I thought it was a Flash movie. Or no, yeah, yeah, she's supposed to be doing this Flash movie. This is all speculation. Mm-hmm. Still, like, there's also um, it's not been confirmed yet, but it looks like we're looking at a mid 2020 for the Flash Flashpoint movie. Yeah, I think is this supposed to come out in 2019 or 2020? This for is supposed Shazam. to be 2019 for Shazam. Okay, I would love to see. And the thing is, too, for me, we haven't seen enough. Superman being Superman. I like Henry Cavill to me has yeah. a look, but he doesn't have that feel of the classic Superman. I I, I love the way, like I said, he did his that's powers what we'll get in and everything else. Hope the thing for me is we might not get a Man of Steel period after these next couple movies, but that might be the last thing on a slate. We Possibly. keep missing all of that, but does not mean that we can't get a Man of Steel or Clark Kent back in the Shazam movie or yeah. a Shazam two movie with Black Adam. Um, I think that would be a great way to play it up. If I could see a live-action version of The Return of uh, Black Adam like they did in the animated series, or animated short, I'll be perfectly fine with that. Um, but that's the little teaser he gave us, mm-hmm. or a troll. Well, then we move on to some possible casting, and what it is is not actually casting news as much as um, someone Fan saying, casting. I want to play- be this part. Well, this is him saying it also. Alan Richardson, uh, which if anybody doesn't know who this is, this is the guy who um, played Aquaman on Smallville. We and gotta sit down and talk some Smallville. We do. I love that show. We both have to because I have the DVD box that's upstairs. I've been working my way through it. I'm ha- I'm almost through season two right now because Hulu has it now. Oh man, oh man, my mom. I've, I watched it all live originally. The funny thing is, my mom I think watched that whole entire series in like probably like a good two weeks slate, and I'm like, so what do you have? What are you doing? You have all ten seasons on well, it was on DVD? Hulu. Yeah. She she just rewatched it again on Hulu. She's like, it's easier access, so I got pop in the DVD. I just turn the box and watch. I'm like, oh my goodness, what are you, you don't doing get the with your time? Special features, though. You don't, but I wa- I love the special features. My mom just would like watching the show. Well, <clears throat> Alan Richardson, um, who actually um, has been campaigning, and I guess he wants to play Shazam. He's been campaigning this movie role for a year now. Yeah. Um. Well, as she finished that, then I had something to say about it too. 
Uh, let's see. I'm trying to see any actual details or quotes that they have in here. Um, it's just about a lot of stuff about who he ha- is, what he's done. Um, also, uh, there's also rumors out there that Army Hammer from Man from Uncle and from um, a lot of other stuff, including the Lone Ranger, mm-hmm. has also been being looked at to be Billy um, to be Shazam. Now, I really think he should. I don't know. I, I can't really see. I see this guy more Shazam. Alan looks more like I, a Shazam, even in personality. Have well, I, the problem with the, both of these is it's the same thing I had when I first saw Henry Cavill as Superman. He's not big enough. Oh, they can put on the weight. But yeah, Henry Cavill bulked up to be Superman. Now I'm trying to see the character's name that he played, and I'm not seeing it right now. But if any, I forget the uh, character's name he played in Blue Mountain State. But Alan Richardson, he was a jerk in that show. Now I'm not saying taking that away from him. He played his part, but. Um, the thing about him is, he, if you watch the show, Ken, he's he's a big kid. I yeah. mean, literally, he's just a big kid. I think I saw the kid. first and second episodes, and that was it. That's the, that was that comedy about high, or college football, right? Right, yeah. and if you watch it, it's like, I remember this one scene in the diner he was in. He was known for being the big man on campus. It's like, everybody loves him. He gets free pie, free desserts, free he's the, food. He's probably the quarterback, right? Yeah, and then the new guy comes in, and he's taking his spot. He's like, wait a minute, what about me? I used to get all the free stuff. No one wants to come in and say hi to me? And then he gets mad and leaves, and he's like, I'm leaving. And he does... Everybody used to clap for me when I used to leave. And I'm like, that's Shazam. I mean, he doesn't, he's just showing he's a little whiny kid. But it's like, dude, you're like 20. What are you doing? And yeah. I think he can really show that in the Justice League movie if he was to play. We need somebody that has those tendencies of, wait, aren't you a grown man? Uh, yeah, I am. It's like, no, he's not. <laughs> so um, I think he would be a great um, actor to play that part. He already shows it off. And he has um, roles in other comic book movies or shows as Smallville, Aquaman. Oh, yeah. And he's played Raphael in the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. So oh, that's cool. He's um he's definitely used to seeing superhero roles. Yeah. Um, and the next one, i got to actually look up the um, article because the, they gave me the wrong link. Uh-oh. Um, give me just a second here. Oh, where to go? Because we actually have, there it is, Adam West's final performance as Batman. We actually are going to finally get the release date for. And this is the movie, Batman vs. Two-Face. We've talked about it on here before. That they were making this, and they had said he had um, fi- finally he had finished up all of his commitments for this movie before he actually passed. Mm-hmm. But um, we're they've um, said Best Buy actually has it listed as October seventeenth for the release date of Batman vs Two Face. This is the movie that actually has um, William Shatner playing Two Face. Oh, I did yes. not know that. That is William Shatner is the voice of Two Face, and Julianne Moore is c- coming back as Catwoman, and Burt Ward is in here as Robin. Okay, so everybody's coming back. That was in the last animated uh, Batman series mm-hmm. from '66. Okay, cool. I didn't know William Shatner was going to play this role, so I'm I'm really happy to see that. That's going to be a very interesting way to see both these characters, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to hear Shatner's voice as Two Face. So this is going to be interesting. I got to buy this one. I haven't. I still haven't watched the other one all the way through yet. I don't remember if I have or not. I don't think I have. I see my buddy Bell uh, was watching that one time I was over there, so I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so that's going to be happening. I can't wait for that, and it's going to be nice to see Adam West hear his voice just once again as Batman. Oh, yeah. Um, and then the, we actually move on to cl- comics news now. Um, and this one you actually put up about the Doomsday Clock. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody out there, the Doomsday Clock, as we know, is going... Well, we've been building up to this since Rebirth first yeah. started. This is the actual the actual next step in the Rebirth storyline. Yeah. Um, now this is, uh, well, we know Jeff Johns is one of the coolest and most amazing DC, uh, people in DC comics history. Um, as we all know, he's done runs with the Teen Titans, the Flash, Action Comics, Aquaman, Just Society, and it, the list just goes on. But after stepping away from writing for a bit after, uh, the Justice League run, his, uh, duties as C-O-C-C, 
<laughs> CCO of DC Entertainment became one of the four frontier for uh, John's returning as his writing in a 12-part miniseries of the Doomsday Clock. Well, the thing is, he's CCO of DC Entertainment, um, Chief Creative Officer is what that is. Oh, okay. But he's also, I think, what is it officially? The, no, that's no, DC Entertainment. Um, but he's got like four or five other titles oh, for yeah. different parts of the company. Like, like we said when he first announced all this, like we hope he doesn't burn out. Well, DC Entertainment is the important part right now for him because that's actually all your movies. Okay, and which we and can he's, tell I mean, is doing great right putting, now. Uh, input in on the TV stuff, uh-huh. but Guggenheim and Kreisberg and those guys are doing fantastic with the oh, TV yeah, shows already. They've been running well for the last couple of years. So him having him guide the movies, is we've already seen with Wonder Woman, um, that was, I believe, the first movie that he truly was there the whole time right. they were doing and it. And as we said, we got glimpse, glimpses of that in Suicide Squad. You could see a little they, bit. You could see what bit. he tweaked it a little bit. Mm-hmm. They tried to make it uh, more humorous, more... Mm-hmm. Uh, for the fans to get into it, which I love that he did that. We just didn't get a lot of it. But in Wonder Woman, we could definitely tell he was side-by-side side with that movie. Yeah. Um, but as the Doomsday Clocks rolls around, um, last year's Rebirth special is what showed Superman uh, meeting the Watchmen's Dr. Manhattan on a set of one year in the future of the DCU. It was revealed in Rebirth special, or at least totally heavily implied, that Dr. Manhattan would be uh, responsible for the alternating DC universe of the New 52 version. Um, the best part of Nerdist got to meet Johns in a scoop for the miniseries, and this is, was the interview. Uh, on the set of Wonder Woman, when we talked about it, John said, at the end of the day, we thought, you know what, we're not going to do it. And then on the election, then the election happened, and then other things in the world happened, and it changed. Suddenly, the whole story that just jumped into a head, it jumped in my head, and it uh, was called Gray, and said... I called Gray and said... Gary. Sorry, Gary. I don't know why I'm saying Gray. I'm thinking Gray <laughs> Ghost. <laughs> um, I just have a pitch for you because I have this story, and the story is bigger than what I thought it was. It's different than what I thought it was. It's more risky than I thought it was. And after that, we do get a picture of look like a Dr. Manhattan skull. Okay. Yeah. Um, from the point of the Doomsday Clock became a 12-part miniseries, which will debut in November of this year. Brian Anderson is joining Johns and Frank for a creative team. Um, and once you check this teacher image, the one I just talked about in the article, once uh, Gary and, Al- and uh, Brian Anderson knew we could uh, be- do the best work that we can possibly do so, and about quality of the work of the story, everything came together. It feels like a story we really want to tell, and you'll never see a one-shot or a crossover issue where you see Dr. Manhattan fighting the Justice League. It's just not the story. It's about just It's about that not what we want to do. We're not interested in making it a crossover event. In fact, Johns and Gary and uh, Gary Frank, longtime collaborators in the titles, we already are working on the third volume of Batman Earth One. Ooh, uh, that series we're nearly done with. Then Johns uh, reiterated, we were in the middle of Batman Earth One Volume Three, and we were like, okay, let's put the brakes on. And that's because we need to tell a story right now. This is the time to do it. Doomsday Clock will be perceived roughly or wrongly as a sequel to The Watchmen. That would be nice to know. One of the greatest works in comics ever. When asked, he'll uh, prepare being judged in terms of the following up that the iconic series. John's replied, you just do your best work you can do. The work with the best people I know in comics. And I've um, and we've got a great story we believe in, and we'll tell it. We could sigh away from it and not do it, but we believe in it just like Rebirth. I don't 
have to do the Rebirth special either, but I really believe in it. I believe that DC Universe was missing and what I wanted to have again. So I wrote this issue, and the issue was risky, but I wanted to put a heartbreak back into DC Universe. The heartbeat back the heart, in DC. The heartbeat, and he did. Um, the characteristics of what we're doing, but read the Watchmen. There's a structure of uh, pitching to replace, um, do what they did, and the story we're telling is a different story, but clearly is very personal story. And the story is uh, everything. Um, was the cyclicalism, um, op- cynicism, cynicism, opportunity, op- corruption, lies, and truth. Truth and love, hope, optimism, and decay. Um, all kinds of stuff that we're going in with this feeling and being. Uh, was that being a, a continuity nerd that I am as much as I love the back and back our roots up approaching DC has taken in rebirth tiles. I couldn't help notice that the current timeline is something that is a mess. Rebirth specials seem to be empty to be, uh, to imply that the crazy, um, con- uh, continuity was a result of Dr. Manhattan, uh, slaying time, stealing time, stealing time from DCU. I had, uh, acts rather doomsday clock will be to deal with the um current uh wonky dc continuity uh john's confirmed will clear all that stuff up pretty clearly but the story isn't about that just an idea superman uh talking to dr manhattan gets me excited john said what does that look like there's um ideologies are so vastly different and the uh, circumstances we put in them are very interesting and there's a hundred layers into the book uh, Gary Frank is putting everything he's got into it and everything uh, we're very excited for people to see. Superman and Dr. Manhattan are the tip of the iceberg. We know we have all these rules, but we'll got to break a couple of the rules to tell the best story we can. And all I all and I think it's all going to be more than what people think. and It is going to be different than what people think. I hope it surprises people in a really good way. It's sure going to surprise me in any way. Yeah. Um, if they're doing this more as a part two to Watchmen, they do have a lot to live up to. Yeah, that's interesting that they're actually he's looking at this as a possible actual sequel to the Watchmen. Because we got some prequel issues a while back, a couple summers ago. I want to say around the time they did do um, the New Fifty Two, we got some yeah. one. I wouldn't call them one shots, but like a one off story of Silk Spectre, the comedian, Doctor Manhattan, uh, Night Owl, Rorschach, all of them, and a couple yeah. characters I didn't even really know was in the Watchmen. Uh, they did some stories with so this is going to be great i can't wait for this and as he said uh dr manhattan and superman are just tipped the iceberg we might get some more rorschach we might get uh ozymandias see comedian. i think what it is well we um we may already be getting ozymandias we might but we don't know yet yeah but if we do who is he gonna who's gonna be more of his counterpart for exactly. if they're saying that we might get rorschach i'm and, thinking that, uh, that batman hopefully this is going to start awesome. with dr manhattan uh-huh. and doomsday clock um, and we've already seen there's a guy named Mr. Oz running around doing some interesting things, which mm-hmm. we're going to hear more about later on in the show. We will. But um, so it's like I'm thinking they start there. Mm-hmm. Then they move on a little bit more here, a little bit more there. Because if I remember, right, wasn't Rorschach kind of a similar character to um, – well, most of the Watchmen were similar characters to other DC characters right. already. Like, like Night Owl is a variation on Batman, Batman. really. Yeah, and then um, Silk Spectre is uh, – we just discussed her a couple weeks ago. She was in that Ray movie we were talking about. Um, oh, man, why am I forgetting her name? Uh, Phantom Lady? Okay, Phantom name? Girl? Or Phantom Girl, Phantom Lady, something okay. like that. Um, well, you got, wasn't Rorschach, if I remember right, a combination of... The um, Question. The Question and maybe a little bit of Batman in there, mm-hmm. too, of the detective side, side of Batman. Yes, and that was heavily focused on even... And you could definitely tell from watching um, 
uh, but he was all, New Orleans movie. Wasn't he and, also all about conspiracy theories and stuff also? Like the question. Which is the question. Yeah, <laughs> and if you look at it, question, um, Rorschach, and there was another, the spirit. All of them were like very similar in the way they wore the top hats. They were like the Detective S field, and they mm-hmm. didn't believe anybody else until they got down to their nitty-gritty conspiracy exactly. theory. So and they're usually right. It'll be interesting to see what the incarnations of them will be like in the DC universe where all these other characters are already there. Right, and of course we got Dr. Manhattan fighting the Justice League. Now that's something I'm definitely down well, to Well, no, see. they said they're not going to do that. Oh, they're not going to? I no, they... that's what they said in there. They're not going to do that. Oh, okay. Hmm. Because that's not what this story is actually about. It's not, but it wouldn't it be. I think it'd be cool to get some other other characters to know who Doctor Manhattan is. Yeah, um, I really do think. Besides Superman, though, this is going to be heavily focused on Barry Allen in the mix with Batman because mm-hmm. they are the three main characters seen so far, and Wally West. Yeah, that everything that happened in there. So it's like four characters from the main DC uh, continuity that know something is wonky with the timeline. Exactly. Well, th- next up, we actually have um, a little bit of news out of Batman with Tom Kane. Um, now, a couple of weeks ago, everybody was kind of shocked when all of a sudden you see Bruce Wayne on a on bended knee proposing to Catwoman. Right. Um, now, we know that both characters have been around since the 40s, um, and that many writers over the years have spent um, have had their own spin on Bruce Wayne and Batman and what makes them tick. What drives and defines the man um, and the delicate balance between the billionaire playboy and the Dark Knight. But writer Tom King... Um, with Tom Keane writing Batman, Batman may be embarking on the biggest change since Frank Miller brought the darkness with the Dark Knight Returns. Because remember, when Dark Knight Returns came in the 80s, that was a um, huge turning point for Batman. Yeah. Because up till then, you had the very campy um, Batman. Batman in the books was very, still very similar to what you got on the or TV Adam screen West. with Adam West. Right, and he had the same outfit. And the, the Super blue. Friends. Yep, and the Super that Friends. That was super. That was Batman until you got the Dark Knight Returns. And then that's when we kind of got what we see nowadays with Batman mm-hmm. being the dark, gritty old man or chisel old man, whatever you want to call him, age guy with the Robins uh, that we see nowadays. But... Um, when I saw him kneeling on the rooftop to Catwoman, like I said, have you read? You, you've read Hush, right? Yes. You remember seeing um, him and Catwoman's relationship in there? Kind of. It's been a minute since I've read it. Um, basically, in there, I thought that would be the perfect woman for him if he was to have a relationship with any character in the yeah. DC universe. Um, even Nightwing said, go after her, Bruce. Yeah. So if you're getting something from a Robin saying, go be happy with this mm-hmm. character that you've known for years, she's the one for you. Well, and this is why I felt when I saw it again. I was like, well, they ha- they touched on that before, but they didn't go too many issues with it. Yeah. Well, Tom King was actually talking about this and the whole uh, marriage of – or the um, question of whether or not Batman was actually going to be happy with this. Um, but th- this is basically what he had to say about it. Why is he so unhappy? Why did the death of his parents touch him in such a way? And is it possible for him to get o- to actually get over it? Is it possible for Batman ever to grieve? Um, that's the whole theme of what we're looking at, what we're looking at. Almost a hundred issue story arc, which we're only 28, 27, 28 issues into right now. Mm-hmm. Um, with just the, that concept of grief and superheroes and how that grief drives Batman to save the world. Uh, the first arc of Batman, we dealt with the relationship with his mother and in the button, we dealt with his father. And with his father telling him, don't be Batman. And him having to, um, having this feeling of both of his parents being at peace with him. And not wanting him to do what he did. And him trying to find happiness. Uh, The 
way he looked or the way he looked for happiness was to go to the same thing that really caused him joy, which was love. Uh, to go to Catwoman and say, "Please marry me," and that may be an incredibly or that may be an incredibly honest, wonderful decision. Maybe something actually true to who he is, and not true to his parents' death, or it may be another level of insanity, and he's just covering up his pain. Yeah, um, and I, I think it's more of the last one because there's like, does he grieve? I'm thinking, well, Batman's been grieving since he donned that cowl. He's grieving before that. He yeah. still is to me grieving. I think him marrying Catwoman will be the way to get away from that. He's been trying in so many different ways, helping people, adopting Robins, maybe having his own little family, Alfred. Ace the Bad Hound. Yeah. But he still doesn't have that true love. Well, we know... Um, what issue did he actually propose Even as a to Catwoman? <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't say which issue I, was it. That was proposed. issue... Was it, it was 22? before 25. Yeah, it was yeah I want to like say it was issue 22. Well, Catwoman, we've still not seen the answer yet. As far as we know, she's never actually answered that question yet. We have, and we did get some hints, though, because yeah. for the last couple issues, we haven't seen anything new of Batman. The only thing we've seen was him and Catwoman in bed together while he's discussing the things that happened with the Riddler versus the Joker mm-hmm. storyline. Yeah, cause, well, yeah, as soon as they, he asked to, her to marry him, jumped right into the Joker versus Riddler, the right. um, war of the riddles and jokes. Right. Well, we do find out, um, Tom King goes on talking about this specifically, um, in Batman number 32... She says yes or no. And in Batman number 33, we start the next story arc of Batman. <laughs> we start to look at, into something you've never seen before and a Batman you've never seen before. We're going through, we're going through the desert. We're going, we, we've got a horse. He's got a shotgun. He has entered some places or he's entered some place he's never gone. And now he's going to go off on a mission that's completely illegal. Hmm. The Robins are blown away that he's doing this. It's something the entire Justice League doesn't approve of, um, but he's going to do it on his own because he hit that emotional breaking point or happy point that he has to that he has to move on with this. Now I'm going to stop there. There's another whole paragraph, but the interesting part is I have theory about this too. Well, when they mentioned the Robins. Because remember, there was um, back towards the beginning of Rebirth, we actually had that scene in the Batman themed restaurant mm-hmm. with all the Robins, all the Robins sitting around scene. the table talking yep. to. That it's awesome because when you say the Robins, knowing that all of basically the Robins are his kids. Yeah, you have and all of them um, actually literally are his kids. Yeah. as a child, well, all of them are really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, Damien's blood. Tim, yeah, but know. except for except for Tim Drake because he was never technically. Um, Adopted by Bruce Wayne, but right. Dick Grayson and Jason Todd. Jason Todd were both adopted by Batman, mm-hmm. and then adopted by Bruce Wayne. So they were technically they are his children. And then Tim Damien is his kid, and, and Tim was has basically handpicked to, to be, be the base, the main Robin out of all of them. He's the best. Well, no, Robin, he did. He wasn't chosen to be Robin. He chose or to he, be Robin. True. He forced it on Batman, and Batman reluctantly accepted it. Remember? Yeah, and was that in the hush issue? He was like, Tim's the best Robin I've ever had. I don't know. Um, I don't remember. I think I, it was some book well, he said that in. But um, he goes on. Well, I, real quick, my theory was when they're talking about him going on his breaking point or his, uh, what do they say, his emotional breaking point or happy point. Um, well, if you remember, the main thing that happened with Catwoman has not got resolved. And that's not the marriage part. If you remember months ago, she was convicted of that murder of killing all those people, and it really yeah. wasn't her. It was her, like, adoptive child. Uh, 
what was her name? I don't remember. Um, but she did all that. So Catwoman's name hasn't cleared yet. I'm pretty sure if Batman would like to have a life with Selena Kyle, Catwoman, whatever you want to call her, he's going to have to clear her name. And he's going to have to go through some obstacles to do that. Mm-hmm. And that might be what the Justice League and other Robins do not approve of because it's like, yeah, you're going to do all this for this lady right here? How many problems have we had with her in the past? Yeah. But he doesn't care because he loves her. I, that's why I think he's going to have to go on a journey of by himself. Okay. Now, it could be something opposite, but that's just what I'm going with. Well, we'll find out here in a couple of issues. And, and also, the other thing is, they're not just going to ride on him being sad for all this time. He's going to have to have a mission. That's probably her saying yes, and he's like, you know what, honey? I'm clearing your name. Mm-hmm. Well, um, then uh, he goes on, though. Um, Tim, Tom King goes on to say that all the Robins are in this story, which is awesome to hear. All the Robins. Uh, we started... We, I started as a Robin writer. I started as a Tim or Dick Grayson Robin um, war writer. This is a story about, or this is a story about Jason, about Tim, about Dick, about Damien, and about their reaction to what their father is going through. It's about them reacting to their father, um, saying, "Is he going crazy, or is he finally finding peace?" And because of, or because this is comics. The way they try to determine that is to punch him in the face. Mm. Well, you know, you got to show some tough love sometimes. <laughs> That's right. So it's going to be interesting to see what's going on. And um, like we said with um, at the beginning of Rebirth, it's like this is the Batman we know with little twists that have changed him. They've changed him just a little, just enough that it's like we um, when Rebirth first started, it was Batman with adding a little bit of heart to him. Yeah, and I was going to say... And it looks like that's what this is, is continuing to do that. And you, I feel like um, if everything would have went right with Gotham, uh, that would have been more like him taking on another son, but he definitely did find a daughter-esque feel with um, Gotham Girl. Yes. And we still see that. It's like, out of all the females right now, we had Batgirl, mm-hmm. we've had a Spoiler, we've had Orphan, but now we have uh, Gotham Girl to add to his family. He's well, been trying to save her, and he, which he did do with... the. Um, uh, why am I forgetting his name? The 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 uh, psycho pirate. Yeah. So he's still in the journey of keeping his family safe. Well, this just um th- this just brought up to uh, thought in me is what's the chance that um this is the first time we're going to get not quite the Dark Knight in the last thirty years. This may be the light You're not right. the lightest, but um closer to what we got in the eighties. Hopeful Batman we've seen. In, in, 30, in over 30 years. Yeah, because I, mean, I think they're tr- – as we even said before – He's always been dark and broody since I've known him, but that's because we started reading – or I started reading in um, late 80s, early 90s when, after The Dark Knight Returns. You were a lot later than that. Yeah, I was, but every time I pick up a Batman – but there's so many issues of Batman back then. It was just I picked up wherever I could get my hands yeah. on. And even when he was wearing the Adam West costume with the blue on there, if you read any of the comic books, he was still dark. I mean, he was yeah. lighter tone, but at the time I read him, he was like, this is pretty gruesome. Um, I have an issue with him and Scarecrow. That was a scary issue. Yeah. That was the Batman I'm used to seeing even now. Um, but as we're going back to this, remember when we first started reading Rebirth, we're like, we're getting a, a bunch of lighthearted Batman touches out of time. We're getting a little bit of Adam West. Um, we're getting a little bit of uh, the one we got now with um, Ben Affleck playing. As we said, he's taking a little yeah. bit comical route to him, more than what Christian Bale's was. Um, so I'm glad to see Batman coming back in a bits and pieces. So, so um, and then actually still in Batman, kind of, because yeah, we have coming up, the dark multiverse is coming, as we've been talking about. And this stuff looks scary. And <laughs> we actually have the um, covers for the first two one-shots um, have been released on DC's Comics' website. Uh, it's the, the first one is Batman the Red Death and Batman the Murder Machine. Now, the covers are kind of cool because um, now the... 
we know the Dark Knight's Metal series, um, all the the seven one shots are going to be Batman as one of the members of the Justice League, or one of the members of Justice League, basically um, themed as an evil Batman, right? So, um, well, I can actually read straight up what it says here. It says, evil versions of the Dark Knight are coming to terrorize Earth this fall. Seven one-shot comics that tie into upcoming Dark Knight's Metal event um, are on the horizon, each spotlighting a different corrupted version of Batman spawned from the Dark Multiverse. And this is when they show the first um, cover. Now, the first one, it's, it looks like this is the cover and the variant. Mm-hmm. Now we can describe what we're seeing here. That um, the first one looks like it's red lines across the screen, and you see a shadow of it looks almost like the Flash. Yeah, it looks like exactly with, like the Flash. Um, Batman's uh, logo, a, a stylized version of Batman's bat with a lightning bolt down the center of it, mm-hmm. representing the Flash. Exactly. Then the actual the other cover they have shows exactly what he looks like. Is yeah, it shows yeah. the dark the red death Batman, which is obviously the Flash version because mm-hmm. you see the red lightning just like um, the Speed Force coming off of Barry. Right. Except um, this time it looks more like a reverse Flash look to it, which would make sense because this is like an evil Flash. Yeah. Well, this is red Batman. lightning. So, um, and they have a giant skull in the background, and then a bunch of other skulls around him. Death just running through. It's exactly that he is the red death. Now that's um, the. Artwork for these covers for the Red Death is by Jason Fabuk and Dean White. Then it says, how can the Justice League stop a horde of deadly beings that appear to be powerful nightmare versions of themselves? Find out in these special tie-in issues beginning September 20th with Batman the Red Death number one by Joshua Williamson and Carmine DiGianamenico, or DiGianamenico. Followed by Batman The Murder Machine, number one, by Frank Thierry and um, Ricardo Federici on September 20th. Now, the cover for The Murder Machine is, um, you see, get the same red streaks across, mm-hmm. and you see ba- the shadow of Batman with the Batman logo inside of, like, a cog. Yeah, like what Cyborg's logo looks like. Yeah. Except if having a C inside of, like, a Metal Gear, it's a Bat logo. And the... Um, and this is actually this is the cyborg version because if you look on top of the tank on the other on the variant cover, it's um there's this tank that, with a skull on the front of it and a bunch of guns fighting against the Justice League and the guy standing on top looks like cyborg, except that cyborg is getting blasted by him. Yeah, and when we say getting blasted by him, it looks like he's actually killing the Justice League. There's like beams going right through them. Exactly, everybody's getting blasted. And um, the one thing I think you noticed and pointed out to me. That um, if you look on this cover, it looks like Hal Jordan's missing half of one of his arms. Yeah, um, and also if you guys, you're not, I'm just gonna try to describe as much as I can. It looks like he's pixelating them. Every time uh, this evil cyborg Batman uh, shoots the Justice League, it's like when he shoots them, a part of them are missing, going to pixels, like they're going to data, almost. That, actually, I didn't that? notice that. Yeah, I see that now. Yes. Um. So this looks destructive. It's just not as gruesome as you think, but it's still going to be a bad thing for Justice League. Yes. Um, I'm really liking these first two uh, looks at the evil Batman Justice League members. I can't wait till we get more of this. I can't wait till the oh, yeah. end of this month. Well, it says the Batman, the murder machine, number one cover new artwork is done by Jason Fabuk, which this first one with all the red um, lines, mm-hmm. it looks like this is going to be a series of all seven covers. Will That's why I'm one, thinking one too, big with the lines image. just going by. Um, so he's done probably the first set of images. The second image is done by Brad Anderson. You know, it says, all seven of the Dark Knight's Metal one-shots will feature covers by Jason Fabuk. Uh Stay tuned for more cover reveals of Batman the Drowned, which will be the um, Aquaman. Aquaman. Batman the Merciless. Which would um, be Wonder Woman. I'm not, would that be Wonder Woman, you think? Mm-hmm. Batman the Devastator, 
Which that is one I think is going to be that Doomsday uh, uh, That'll probably one. be Superman. The, the variation on Superman, which will be Doomsday, you said. Mm-hmm. Um, Batman the Dawnbringer, which is probably Lantern. Yeah. And then Batman, or the Batman who laughs. That's which is the, the most Joker Batman, but I believe that's going to be the evil version of Batman himself. Ooh. Ooh. Hmm. Think, well, in Batman comics, what's the opposite of Batman? The Joker. So, hey. That, like I said, I'm more interested. I love this whole thing, but the man who laughed joke, Batman, that's going to be the one I'm really and that is the, That with. is the only one they've never shown any of the images from. No. I, I All think we the got other a shadow of The Joker. first six, no, the first six they showed um, in a couple things and a couple images of what these guys are going to look like. The seventh one, purposely, they have never shown anybody. Okay. Well, we'll get to find out soon. It mm-hmm. is coming up before we know it. Oh, yeah. And then next up, we actually, we don't cover video games much, but... Vernon's all excited about a game that's coming out. Actually, as of today, isn't it? it? it as of recording today. time, yeah, it actually came out for some people uh, last night. Twelve, I tried looking for it and it wasn't. A, it, no, it was available for me, but I didn't download it yet. Um, the Batman Telltale season two. Uh, this talks about a little bit of Joker's allies and what we expect. The game did drop, so I've watched a couple of let's plays. So I'm just gonna let you guys in on what's really going on. I'm um, not going to reveal too much of the story, but um, the Joker, John Doe, as we know him right now, gets out of Arkham, and everybody knows he's crazy, but he also starts trying to work with Bruce Wayne. Um, some people come to him and starts interviewing Batman, or Bruce Wayne, as in, why did you help this man? He's like, hey, I was in jail, that's what I had to do. Um, he's out now, and the next big thing is the Joker is having problems with this guy called the Riddler. Now, the Riddler was somebody, and this is why I said they took from Gotham, the Riddler's been around before. He's yeah. got a little bit of gray hair streaks going through him. So I'm like, this was probably what we see uh, Edward Nigma in Gotham be when he gets older. So he's coming back. He's wreaking havoc. Um, he has some problems with that. Lucius Fox has a big um, thing to ha- go with in this series. And this is all in the first episode. And um, it seems like Lucius Fox's daughter is going to play a big role in this um, season, too. Okay. I didn't know he had a daughter. No. Um, so I don't know if she's made up for the... Lucius Fox or Lucas Fox? Which one? Lucius Fox. Okay. Now, Lucas does it mention in the game, too, which I was happy about knowing. And he has a daughter, and they say he has a third child, too. Didn't know any of this besides the Batwing. Um, so all this is taking place in Season 2, and at least this was in the first episode. And, uh, like I said, I'm not going to reveal some stuff, but some sad things happen, and we do get some hints from more characters in here. I didn't think they were going to put in the uh, series, but I'm glad they did. And we have uh, five uh, episodes. The first one's out today, came out this Tuesday. And we'll get a couple more as the couple, as the months go by. Okay. Um, so that's really all I got out of there. Uh, and that, I think that brings us to the end of our um, news articles for today. Yep. So it's time to get into our reviews. And this is actually comic book reviews for um, July 26th, 2017. Um, and we've actually... We've really only got time for two reviews today, and the first one actually let's save that. The, let's save this for the second one. Oh, really? Okay. So it's got the biggest reveals, really. All right. The first one we're going to hit is Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number twenty-five. This was the twenty-fifth anniversary edition. Yes. So remember, all of these twenty number twenty-fives <laughs> have been extra sized, and usually it's only a couple of extra pages, Excuse but me, guys. still. Allergies acting up. Um, it, it there, there is a big reveal in the end of this one. There is, but... And um, we will get to that here in just a moment. Yeah, I, I was waiting for that to happen. I knew that was going to come back. Yeah, well, it, you can't... <sighs> so There's some characters that just aren't going to go away. No, no. Or at least not permanently. So, but, you start off this issue, you open up, and remember, we're in the middle of, um, of almost, but not quite, total war between the Yellow and Green Lanterns again. Again, and we knew that it's was going to happen apart. again. Um, they're never going to become friends and stay exactly. friends. Exactly. Um, and we have, and remember that a lot of this was spurred, started, um, 
on the, the main amount of Yellow Lanterns by Tomar 2 actually um, killing, murdering, uh, what was the name of the rope? Uh, I really do forget. I'm not. I gotta lie. remember. It was one of the. It was another one of his. Um, of his race, but it was the Yellow Lantern one from his race. Uh, where'd it go? Romat Rue or something like that. All their names are sound very they sound similar. Very like similar that. Yeah. So, but anyways, um, but you get this one starts off with Hal Jordan pr- protecting Tomar too from the Sinestro and telling Corps. the Sinestro Corps members that he's going to stand trial. And justice will be served. And the core, the Sinestro Corps just want to kill him. Yeah, like this according, is our justice. According to Sinestro's law, mur- life for life. That's that's the, that's rule the way of it works. So, um, and th- at which point Hal's like, "Okay, you want to fight? We'll take care of this." And he starts fighting three or four Yellow Lanterns at the same time. Um, now he and he, he tells because us Hal Jordan's up, that good. If you want Tomar two, you have to go through me. And then you see on the ground, um, Guy Gardner and our our Kilo. Walking in, carrying the um, half fallen. dead, fallen form of um, Kyle Rayner, yeah, with the his, that has had the Sinestro Corps um, burned into logo burned into his chest by his ex lover. Well, we don't know that yet. Nobody else no. knows that yet. We no, do. they don't know. We know. And as they're carrying him, they're like, "What's happened here?" And they're saying, "Listen up, somebody just burned a Sinestro symbol into his chest, and we're gonna find out. This is all guy." And then this is where Acrylo comes in, and he's like, "And who did it?" And he starts uh, picking up his own Sinestro member, saying, "Did you do it? Did you do it? I'll tear your head off." Exactly. If you did it. Well, it's, Arkillo was the Arkillo, most I evil, and um, he at, evil, well, not most evil, but the most scariest, dedicated. Yellow Lantern Corps member ever, and right now he's fighting against the Yellow Lantern Corps because he was told the Greens are the good guy. They're our friends. As we said, and he is the he's the Sinestro's version of Kilowog. It's like, exactly. oh, here's this big guy, and if he says what well, happened, really, you're going to tell him. Yeah, really not as much. Well, I think, was he the trainer for the Yellows? So I think he's more, he's think more he Guy Gardner for No, he them. is more Guy Gardner, but when I meant um, seeing him as Kilowog, it's like, here's this big, hawking form yeah. of Sinestro member. When he says something, you listen. Um, but as he's going around asking everybody who did this, who did this, and all the yellows are adamant that they knew nothing about this. Yeah, they're like, dude, they we haven't no, done anything. anything. We, we've been here the whole time. You flip the pa- to the next page, and all of a sudden you see, um, oh, um, why? Wow, well, I have a blank on this um, right now. Sarnak, thank you. I was going to look it see, up. See, Sarnak, um, and she says, flies I- in and says. I branded Kyle Rayner. And they're like, and they're like whoa, said, whoa, wait, wait, well, huh? Yeah, and even he's like, wait, my lady, you did this? And she says, yes, um, because of what he did, he hid the truth from us with another bloodline of mine. Yeah, there was another of my bloodline, a direct descendant of my father, Sin- Sinestro himself. And this next panel of her, she is literally turning in Sinestro. I mean, look at that face, look the way she's mm-hmm. floating. Uh, holding her arms behind her back. And this is when um, Hal comes and says, what's she talking about? And basically, Hal, or Kyle's just like, I, he's speechless. He's like, if you guys remember, a couple um, issues ago it was the villain they had in there. The villain that came back from the future, yeah. Right. Now, we, me and you were both saying, he has some similarities to somebody we know, but mm-hmm. we couldn't put our finger on it. So we kept reading, kept reading. We started putting it together. It's like, this is Sinestro's relative from somewhere. Well, it was the- Sinestro's grandson because it is this, he was this, this um, he was the son of Sarnak and Kyle Rayner. Yes, and he killed him. 
because he thought, well, this guy's just a villain. Yeah, so before, it goes, before he found out who this guy was, right, he killed him. Right, and this is where he should have told her immediately, hey, I killed our son. Which, you know, at this point, hearing that isn't going to be fun anyway, but at least maybe it would have helped if you had told her firsthand instead of her having to find out for herself. Mm-hmm. Well, this is what sets her over the deep in saying how the partnership's over because a Green Lantern basically just killed a bloodline of mine. They're not really as good as they said. This is what my father's been saying all along. Yeah, they're hypocrites. Yes. Um, and, and as they're going on, she says, you'll always remember being a hypocrite with that logo burnt into your chest. And then this is where she basically calls war against the uh, Sinestro Corps and the Green Lanterns all over again. Yeah. Well, she says straight up that the Sinestro Corps, the alliance is broken. Um we're going to take our battery to New Korrigar and make ourselves once again the, in Sinestro's image uh, as we are meant to be, and the yellow light will be our guide. I am Soranek, Soranek um, Natu no more. I claim the name of my birthright, Soranek Sinestro. And that's when um, John finally, st- John Stewart finally um, speaks up and says, Think it through, Sornak. Yeah, like, you don't want to do this after all the yeah, good we've Yeah, you really done. don't want to do this. Um, he's saying, with the public and all the stuff we've done, um, we've done all this good things of new law, especially not um, the police, but we have made this uh, war come to an end between us. After all the work we've done, do you really want to put that away for nothing? And this is where um, Tumar 2 says he, um, he's sorry he took a life for this, and he feels like this is all happening for what he did. And Hal just basically tells him, not now. This is not because of you. Everything now is just going bad because of what Sornak's thinking with um, Yeah. Kyle. Well, Tomar 2's ready to just turn himself over to the Yellows if it's going to um, save Start the Alliance. This, yeah. If it's going to save the, the Alliance, problem. turn me over. Yeah, and that's not the problem. Yeah. Um, she says the Green Lantern Corps um, has revealed their true nature and her decisions made. She's stuck right now and mm-hmm. seeing them as evil. And this is where... Well, um, before the fight even starts, though, John looks right. at the yellows and says, says straight whoever. up, any lanterns or any yellow lanterns who believe that there's still a better way than ju- than uh, Sinestro's way, my offer of truce still holds. Mm-hmm. You can still be have a truce with the greens, right? Even, um, even if you they have that yellow looking, ring on. Yeah, they keep looking and they're not sure. Um, and a group of them, there was really the first yellows to um, join the with the Greens, says straight up, we joined um, at the Battle of War World because Sinestro's vision of fear is not our vision. This is not what we want. Mm-hmm. Um, so we stand with the Green Lantern. So there's a group of them that does stand with them. And he says, anybody else? Last chance. And, and the rest I, of the yellows look at them and, um, as traitors, the first guys. And I know this isn't part of the book. Well, this is part of the book, but it also goes in the TV show uh, years ago, Justice League. There was a thing about him, like, why is um, John Stewart's eyes always glowing green, which is happening right now in the yeah. books? Because he's been pure will so much it's in his blood. Exactly. And that's what's happening right now. His eyes are just glowing with the logo of the Green Lanterns in his uh, pupil. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is also where you get Guy Gardner talking to... Um, Arkillo saying, um, we had something good here, um, Ark, but if this is what you want, this is what we got to do. He said, um, a long ago, I swore it off to Sinestro Corps, and I follow I follow that oath. Yeah. And then they're all like, well, what do we do now? It's like, hey, well, when the fight getting good, we got to fight. So all of the Green Lanterns. Well, uh, the cool thing here is Hal looks at John and says, okay, so what do we do now? John says, well, when they charge, we make them regret it. Yep. Um, so... This is where uh, even Guy says, we had we gave it a good run, Johnny, but let's do it. So, Sinestro's might versus Green Lantern's light. Yep, well, the, Sinestro's core attacks, and you get the, um, oh. the four, four um, Earth Lanterns that are here, because there are six now. Yeah, but the four, rigid, the four first four basically say, um, going through the Green Lantern Oath, 
Then you get the commercial for Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> that thing's popping up everywhere. Then you get the splash page of the entire Sinest- or Green, Green Lantern, Lantern Corps Corp. going into the battle. With Green and it gets interesting. Light. Because you get a couple of splash pages of battle um, and, jo- and different things of fighting, fighting. You get three or four pages of just the fights back and forth and just some of the commands and stuff. But then out of nowhere, um, and the funny thing is you get then you get down to Guy and Arkillo squaring off. Guy says, okay, you get the first shot. For once, I'm not going to be the guy that ruins a friendship. Arkillo says, nor will I. The first strike is yours. Yeah. Well, you hit first. No, I'm, I mean, you hit, you first. hit first. No, no, you do. And I love that because like, uh-huh. they actually built up a friendship. And John's tr- talking to Sornik to try telling her to, um, we can still salvage this. Um, and then Sornik um, turning away and um, or saying there's no way to salvage this. This is over. Um, and the, John, or... Um, Arkillo and Guy still squaring off, and then John gives her one. Um, finally, says, "Fine, never forget. I you did this. The ring, uh, ring execute package, code name Katma." And then this, and you're like, wait a minute. And it's like, um, and then Katma activated. And then a warning off the yellow rings, and all of a sudden, override detected. Mm-hmm. Basically, as uh, John put it. I'm not stupid enough to trust all you yellow lanterns all on my once. planet. Yeah, um, so he basically set up a last uh, it's a, last resort. It's the reverse code. of parallax. Yeah, because remember the um, for years and years, Green Lantern's one um, one weakness was yellow light. Right. It was the light of fear, basically. Right. What it became. What it became. What. Um, but originally, it was just yellow light. Right. And that was really there. And there was no reason that for that originally. But they made it. The, and basically, it was. Par- it was parallax was living in the central power battery, I believe, if mm-hmm. I remember right. And that's why there was an impurity against yellow light. Well, he's flipped that on its ear, and now the yellow rings have a um, weakness to green. Green. Yep. To will. So it basically was a last resort call or code mm-hmm. to and deactivate down, their rings. Exactly. And um, Sornik, at this point, blames John for um, being uh, planning this the whole time, planning on shutting them down, and was lying to him the whole time. And um, finally, just uh, pulls the whole core to leave the planet. And this, I love how this uh, plan he had. This guy tells uh, Stewart, Johnny. I just fell in love with you. <laughs> yeah. And John says straight up, this wasn't a farce, Sornick. I meant what I said about peace between us. We had it in our grasp. We were we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone questioned my decision to invite the Sinestro Corps to be our partners. Uh, you know what ticks me off the most? You're you're all surprised that I actually had a fallback plan. Yeah. and He's been learning from Batman. Yeah, he has. <laughs> well, I was going to say, John Stewart being John Stewart... It, I think he's the real leader of the Green Lanterns. I, like I said, Cal, Hal is my favorite Green Lantern, but John would be yeah. the leader because of his military training. He's not he combat's nothing new to him. Yeah, and always be one step ahead of your opponent. Even at the end of this, he doesn't um, count Sornik as a um, enemy. Enemy. He says straight up. She says this isn't the end. He says, and he tells her, um, if you want to go, go, but stay on the straight and narrow. Follow, follow the law. Because the Green Lantern Corps can and will take you down if needed. Been proven in the past. It just happened a while ago. And they, the Green Lanterns always win. Exactly. And they, um, the Sinestro Corps leaves Mogo. Um, and then the, um, Kyle goes up, try, still trying to talk to Sora, Nick, and tells her, uh, this is your dad's influence, Sora. I didn't give, it, I didn't give up on you, and I won't. Uh, she, said, she tells him, my father is dead. I am his legacy. The Green Lanterns made sure of that. Um, and then... Uh, we go 
the next day, you see the yellow power battery being dismantled mm-hmm. on Mogo, and you see all the the yellows who had chosen to stay with the lantern with the greens have now been get, issued green rings. And they're saying they're old for and they're the saying they're first Green Lanterns the, might yeah. and everything, and they will now be part of the team of the Green Lanterns. Um, and then we go get to Tomar II's uh, um, trial, and Ky- or um, Hal said. Speaks on his behalf and says straight up, um, I tried to talk him out of it, John. He, um, he said there, or I told him there's a chance at least he could go home with a dishonorable discharge, but he won't listen. So, um, Tomar II foregoes his trial. Um, he's going to serve his sentence the same as any other, equal under the law. Um, and then Hal has one request that Tomar II had for him. He said, um, let Tomar II will his ring to Z- back to Zudar. So the replacement can be found there. Let the line, um, let the line of Zudarian lanterns continue. Um, and this is Hal Jordan asking. This isn't just Tomar too. Uh, and eventually, um, John agrees and allows the ring to go. We get back to Zudar and we find the ring searching for the for someone there. And um, remember, uh, back issues ago, Starro had basically. Um, Back with the Larflees and Brainiac mm-hmm. story, and that was a couple. Um, Starro had actually taken all of Zudar in uh, under um, its control and put it into a bottle for um, for uh, for Larflees. Yeah, well, for Brainiac and Larflees to really control mm-hmm. both of them. He liked the bottle concept, and you can keep it, so he used exactly. Brainiac as a tool. So um, you have this doctor talking to these people, talking about how um, the. Our granddaughter barely speaks. She's always terrified. And the doctor tells us straight up, no, she's no, she's not scared. She's watching for something, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But not terrified, I assure you. I have examined many victims of the Starro event and look upon them at, or to look upon them is to know that they feel true terror. Your grandfather your granddaughter is remarkably not afraid. At which point Tomar II's ring Comes into the room and chose, chooses her to be the next Green Lantern from Zubar. Mm-hmm. As um, it should. Yeah. And then we go move on. We find Jon Stewart being approached by the Guardians. And um, he tells them straight up, I'm, I appreciate that you guys actually stayed out of this and let us let me deal with this. Um, and he says, um, the, core endure, the core endures. That's what they made some mistakes. They made some good headway. They made some mistakes. But the core is still here. Because what is kept the, because whatever has been kept you two wringing your hands, when it finally gets here, I'm guessing it won't be good. So there's something on the horizon that the Guardians have seen coming. And they can feel it. Um, uh-huh. But I love how here they're talking to um, John and basically saying this is the things that the Guardians have to deal with. And mm-hmm. John's been dealing with this for a while. So I really, th- <laughs> yeah. I really think that um, as time goes by, even if in the near future, John will be one of the guardians. Exactly, he might be the first Earthling that was a will be the a first guardian. non. Uh, yeah, the first non guardian to become a guardian. Yeah. Um, then we get to switch over to the antimatter universe, which we've not been at in a we while, been a long time. Now, um, the planet Quard, cradle of the Sinestro Corps. You see the um, and you see in this area a giant flash of the Sinestro Corps logo, and there's two bodies on the on a plateau, and you see it's what is her name? I don't. You know, I really... I don't remember. I can, it I can look it up while you finish this. Yeah, Sinestro's right-hand um, lieutenant holding the burned and broken body of Sinestro. Um, and as she does, his rings start, both of their rings start glowing. And as she says, oh, my lord. 
So it looks like Sinestro is still alive. Yeah, he's burnt up really, really, really bad. Um, he doesn't look like he's in good health, but he is still there somewhere. And with her help, let me tell you the name of her. That is... You're almost uh, there, almost there. Almost there. I, I Just load up so I can see the pictures of these people. Of course. Oh, uh, crap. Um, hmm, this is on the fly, guys. This is on the fly. Oh, uh, Lisa Dark? Lisa... Lisa, Lisa Drac. Drac. Um, she, was she the lover she of Sinestro? She was, yeah, and his, I think she was, she was his lieutenant. Yeah, um, as she's holding him, both their rings are glowing. They'll be back. Exactly. It looks like Sinestro is coming back. So Sornik has chosen to bring the score back to Sinestro's vision right as he starts getting power again. I had a theory, just a theory of mine. I have no idea it's going to happen, just me. They come back. She sees a file like, Father, you see what I've done for you? He's like, also, I know what you have done for me. And he kills her. And it's like, well, it should have stayed at the Greenland Corps. I don't know why. I just really see that happening. He's done it. I think he'll try. I don't know if they're going to kill her, though. Maybe not. Because they may may still have a run with her and Kyle. Yeah, I was going to say, also, if they do kill her, she's not going to stay dead for long. No, it's comic books. (laughs) Um, Well, the next one we're doing is actually one that um, reveals some things we've been waiting for a while to figure out. And some things I didn't even know was going to happen. Exactly. At all. I had no idea of this. We get Action Comics 984. Um, And remember, this is the um, Superman Revenge Squad still. Attacking the um, Fortress of Solitude. We start off in the fortress with Lois looking for John because John has disappeared. Or Lois and Crypto. Um, trying to figure out what happened to John. Um, you switch over to the um, Superman Revenge Squad, which is all here except for... Um, ah, wait a minute. Wait, who's not there? I flipped. Well, the two that are not there are... Um, oh, yeah, the Eradicator. The Cyborg Superman, Cyborg Eradicator, Superman. which have been sent to the Phantom Zone with, the Superman, with all the Superman's team. Mm-hmm. Except for um, Wonder or Supergirl. Now, um, then we find out also that um, Blank is actually keeping a telepathic contact with Cyborg and Eradic- the Cyborg Superman and the Eradicator and the Eradicator. Now, the thing about him having this uh, connection with them, it's, it seems like it's killing Blank shortly, but yeah, slowly. it's taking a whole lot of strength for him to do it. And um, this is where you hear Zod say, "Just make sure you keep that." He's like, "Do I have to? This is painful." And this, which Mongo basically says, "Oh, suck it up." That's right. <laughs> suck it up, Buttercup. Uh, and then you see that um, in the Phantom Zone, we get Lex Luthor, Kanan Kong, Supergirl or Superwoman, Steel, and Superman, all in the Phantom Zone, um, and they see the Eradicator and Cyborg, Superman. Um, but being in the Phantom Zone, Superman all of a sudden has a sight back again. Yeah, because remember it was the Black Vault. It was the um, the Black Vault that the took foam away his around sight. the Black Vault or the form that was around it, or whatever, the shadows that took his sight away. Well, being in the Phantom Zone, it realigned whatever it is that it, the Black Vault had thrown off, because remember, the Black Vault was created by the Phantom Zone. Right, so isn't that funny So it realigned him, so now he can actually see again. Um, it's like, take more poison, you'll get better. <laughs> exactly. So they're, um, they're flying through the Phantom Zone um, and explaining what it is to everybody there, and then, they, um, then we see the... Um, Henshaw, well, I'm just going to say Henshaw because it's easier that way. We see Henshaw and the Eradicator watching them and talking to Zod. Mentally. Um, Through blank. No, well, Eradicator is talking to Zod. Cyborg Superman, or Henshaw, has no idea that Zod, he has no idea why Zod sent them there. No. He said, Zod, did he send me here by mistake? Or, and Eradicator's like, just shut up. I'm maintaining with contact with blank every bit of concentration we can maintain. It's taking every bit of concentration he has. 
So, um, and Zod on the outside is talking back and forth. We've, um, uh, made contact. Um, and then Cyborg's like, wait a minute, you're in contact? Well, then tell him to bring us back. And, um, Eradicators know Basically, my general has a command. Now quiet yourself so I can do my job. Basically, that's not part of the mission, so we're not doing it. But as they're flying away, all of a sudden, the Supermen attack them. And, um, the fight is in the fight in there. We find, um, then we get to Metallo talking to Zod, telling him, hey, the cyborg Superman rebuilt me. He made me better. Um, I don't much like you sending him away. After all, you aren't our leader. He is. And, it's where and he, Zod kind of flicks him and fly, and he goes flying across the room. <laughs> and this is where now Mongo's even surprised. He's like, Zod, what are you doing? Um, and he says, uh, he, Zod tells Mongo, you want to be a conqueror, correct? He's like, yes. You want to be a conqueror sooner or later? Yes, yes. Then I should. Then you should get started. He says that's more like. Before he can finish it, Jaws just punches him up into the sky. But he's like, now go somewhere in the space no, and conquer. He, well, he tells him straight up. If you're that anxious to travel the cosmos, then I will gladly accommodate you. And just uppercut and launches yep. him into space. <laughs> Zod is very strong. Yes. And this is where he's basically like, Zod, I will come back for you as soon as I can, and I will feast on your bones. I promise. Well, Supergirl is still um, there with Zod. She wasn't sent to the um, Phantom Zone. But um, uh, where are we at? Oh, this is uh, this is back now where there's a battle suit behind them. It's the Bat battle suit that was in space that Lois got in previously. Mm-hmm. But this time, the one who's attacking no, 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 that's a Kryptonian war suit. Oh, that's a Kryptonian war. Yeah. Suit. Oh, okay, I got or that. The Kryptonian mixed up. battle suit. I thought it was the Bat suit the whole time. Um, but anyways, in the Kryptonian battle suit, it's actually powered by Jonathan Kent right now. He's in there and he's getting tired of taking a back seat. And, and he's fighting Zod with it, and he's mm-hmm. actually doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then this is where Zod just tell no one um, uses that Krypton instrument against me. <coughs> well, Supergirl comes out and helps her little cousin and starts fighting back. But while they're still in the Phantom Zone, you get the war of the Superman and the Rat on the Radicator and uh, Cyber Superman. As this is all going on, uh, the Radicator uh, starts getting messed up by Superman. We get Snickers commercial, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they're going back and forth, blow for blow. And they do point out that um, Superman and the Radicator, um, neither one have any powers here. No, there's no <coughs> energy powers. It's just you and me, he says, um, and no one else. Then all of a sudden, here, not quite. And he, Superman looks up. It can't be your Urza. Now everybody, the out wife there, of Zod, the wife of Zod. This was a callback and to Superman mother, too. Of Lorzod. So Zod has a son, a, mother, a wife and a son in the um, Phantom Zone. Funny how neither one of Superman or Zod knew the other one had a family, huh? Uh-huh. So, turns out both of them have a family, and she's the wife of Zod. And um, the Eradicator says, hear me, telepath. And this is where now Blank is having blood coming out of his eye. Every orifice of his body, really, mm-hmm. is taking that much of a strain on him. And he says, the mission is accomplished. We're coming back. After all this time, Zod says... Has finally the happened. House My of Zod will be complete. Yep. And uh, as everything's going on, um, this is where Zod says, we like to know um, who dares to use the suit of war against me as he pulls it off. It's the son of of uh, the Kryptonian Superman. And he sees it's the son. This is where Lois comes in with Krypto. It's like, oh, you're not hurting our buddy. You're my son. Yeah, and you t- you picked the wrong house. <laughs> it tells him, sick him, Krypto. Yep, so he starts attacking Zod, which goes on for a little bit. But, of course, Zod uses heat vision against Krypto. And they're like, oh, no, I hope Krypto's okay. Now, this whole time, during all these battles, someone is still talking to John. Now, remember, since this all started, John's been hearing someone talking to him, and no one else can hear it for some reason. Right. Um, now... 
uh, let me go back to some of these in, during these battles with John, so you can hear what this guy, what this voice is telling him. Um, let me go back here. Where's one of the, a good one? This is before. There we go. Um, you have John in here saying, um, "Now this is when he first has the battle." Said, so, "Oh yeah, I got him." Uh, that though I have no idea how. Then the voice tells him, "You are not alone, young one." He says, "You again? Are you? Are you? I will guide you." Um, pull the orange lever quickly. So this is someone's telling him how to use the the war suit. Um, think of me as your friend. It says, "Who knows the um, your friend who knows this armor well, and has your best interest at heart." This is all this disembodied voice talking to him. Um, then it, it tells him to calm himself. The armor armor will protect you. Uh, keep going here because this actually is important later. Uh, we get. Um, as Zod is um, shredding the suit, um, John asks it straight up, okay, what do I do now? And he says straight up, flee, <laughs> run. Um, as Crypto's attacking Zod, you hear um, John yell out for Crypto. Then you hear the voice say, we'll live, run while you can. <laughs> and then um, at this point, that's when Zod actually grabs the Phantom Zone projector, since he knows Feyora and them are ready to come, and activates the Phantom Zone projector. When he does, um, Feora and Lorzad and Superman and the Eradicator all come back from the Phantom Zone. Wow, by the way, Blank, I think, is dead on the floor. Yeah, it looks like Blank is just about done now, finally. <laughs> um, now, Zod all of a sudden is extremely happy, obviously. His wife oh, yeah, and his son are here. He got his family back. Uh-huh. He says, let us end this. And she tells him, no, your wounds need attention, and I would, I would have you meet your son away from these creatures. We will save this battle for another day. So it sounds like he may not have ever met his son, or if he did, he, his son was very, very young. And so the three of them take off. Now, um, Superman actually says straight up, Zod did me a favor by throwing me into the zone. Um, Unintentional favor. Exactly. The um, Bringing these others home is our priority. Take John, take John and hide Lois, because remember, no one else other than Supergirl knows that John exists. Right. Or Lois. Well, they know about Lois, but they don't know that that's his wife. Right. Um, I don't want Luthor to know about you two. Actually, oh, maybe that's no, the I main one all... is that Luthor doesn't know. Yeah. As far as they know. Then you've got to remember, Luthor is like Batman. He's got his secrets have secrets. Yeah. Um, and this is where uh, they're getting pulled through the negative zone, except Cyborg Superman doesn't really get through. Yeah, they, he's right behind him and says, wait, let me through. As um, Superman looks at him and says, sorry, Henshaw. But I've seen what you can do. Um, I can't bring back a man who's killed millions. And then um, our um, Cyborg Superman then curses them all. Um, as uh, Then we're back in the fortress. And, and I was just going to say it's funny, though, because they found their family. And the reason why Cyborg Superman is on his journey was because he has a dead wife. Exactly. So, um... Zod, or Luther asks about Zod. Superman says he's gone, but I still count this as a win. One I couldn't have achieved without you. Um, and then we flip to the next page, and we see um, Mr. Oz viewing his monitors. And he um, and you hear Lois talking, but there wasn't anyone else here, because John is telling Lois that someone was talking to me and helped me through all this. Whisperman, the one that helped me. Um, and then Mr. Zod says, Oh, Lois... I hope you'll expand your way of thinking before we meet. And then you get to um, the Zods talking about, um, what about your army's husband? Um, another time, Urza. You and Lore were my focus all along, 
it's a new Krypton. We it's a new Krypton that we want, and this world is ripe for domination. One day, one day of work, two at most, and it will be ours. And it doesn't say what planet they're on, but it is another planet somewhere in the cosmos. Um, with my queen and prince by my side, Krypton will live again. This is just the beginning. And then the next issue is Krypton or Lex Luthor's Last Stand. Hmm. Now, the, the cool thing of this is Lord Zod looks to be about the same age as John. Yeah, he does. What so, a sicker haircut, by the way. Yeah. What it would be interesting if this may be um, John's first nemesis. Real as Superboy. Yeah. Superboy versus Lord Zod. Yeah, I mean, you know, Zod and Superman. Or what's Lord Zod going to be like? He did. He really didn't grow up with Super, with Zod as far as we can tell. But he did grow up in the Phantom Zone. Right, which already proves he's got some dark stuff in him already. Well, yeah, because it was put in there by being in the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's pretty much the um, that's the end of our reviews for this week. So that means we got one thing left to do. And that sound just me could only mean one thing, and it's time for our weekly trip to the comic shop. And this week's comic shop is actually brought to you, as every week, mm-hmm. by the Shazbots. That's their song, The Comic Shop. Look them up on iTunes and Facebook and um, and over at www.shazbots.com. Let them know that the DC Superpowers podcast sent you. Uh, we actually have, let me pull up my list here. This is the comic shop pull list for August 9th, 2017. We have 13 titles on the pull list and two honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. We'll get to the honorable mentions here in a minute, but there's a lot of books coming out next week. Mix up for last week. Save I only, your money, guys. Yeah. I only had like five books on um, my pull list for last week for yeah. me personally. Well, this week is going to be like 12. <laughs> yeah, and I had a, I brought a couple. I want to say I got about seven or eight last time. Yeah. But... So, um, but I'll start off this one. Okay. We start off with Action Comics 985, The Eve of Destruction Part 1. Superman finds himself side by side with Lex Luthor once more. But is his former foe truly committed to being a hero? Or is it just a ruse to gain the Man of Steel's trust? As world events point to something dark on the horizon, the mysterious Mr. Oz makes his final move against the Man of Tomorrow. Art is done by um, Gillum March and is written by Rob Williams. Oh, that's interesting. Well, Rob Williams hasn't been writing Superman, has he? No, this is the first time the um, Dan Jurgens is not on the title. Huh? That's going to be interesting. It's a new writer or new author. Yeah, writer. Oh, that's going to be interesting for the next couple of issues. Or mm-hmm. Who knows how many? Well, next we have is Batgirl and the Birds of Prey issue number thirteen. Source code finale. Oracle's pass. Uh, in uh, entanglements, enta- thank you. Entanglements with Gotham City's underworld have gotten to the birds in deep trouble as Calculator, Catwoman, and Poison Ivy all pull the team into their own dark um, agenda. Ag- thank you. I cannot words today. Agendas. Uh, even if they can't get themselves out of this mess, the question remains: Does Oracle really belong with the Birds of Prey, or is he a criminal at heart? Art done by Rose um, Antonio Antonio, and written by Shawna Benson and Julie Benson. Okay. They've been doing pretty good on that, too, and they've been dedicated. Yeah. The, I've not actually been reading much Birds of Prey. A little bit here and there, but not Yeah, a little a bit lot. here and there, but just seeing the same writers' names on there is always a good yeah. thing. This far, too. Well, next up, we have Detective Comics 962. Intelligence Finale. Ascalon, the deadly... 
artificial intelligence created by the Order of St. Dumas is ready to replace Azrael and purify Gotham City. And all that stands in the way of the world's most flawless computer brain is the mind of Batman himself. Art is done by Raul Fernandez and Alvaro, Martin- Alvaro Martinez and is written by James T. Tinian IV. Now, interesting thing is if you look at um, the last issue, 961, um, we see that... Um, Part of the problem we're ha- that John Paul Valley's been having is the actual um, the suit of sorrows. The right. original Azrael suit has its own artificial Mental intelligence built only. in yeah. that is try that he's constantly fighting against because it's trying to reassert the system on him. Now, anybody who doesn't know the system is the training that the Order of Saint Dumas gives to the Azraels that basically overwrites their humanity. Mm-hmm. Well, he's been fighting it this whole time, and every time he puts on the suit, he's actively having to fight it. Well, Lucius Fox has finally built him a new Azrael suit. It's not the suit of sorrows, but it's a new Azrael suit. Technically new. That with a new AI in it. And uh, well, we've seen for this now. Look. We've seen this suit before. Yeah. Because it is the um Azrael Batman suit from the 90s. And in the last page of the issue, you actually see the new suit. Mhm. And it is beautiful. Yes, it is. Um on the next issue we have is the Flash issue number 28, negative part 1. It's a bleak new day for the citizens of Central City meet the negative Flash. He's got a terrible attitude and a volatile powers that leave a wake of destruction wherever he goes. Exactly the kind of person you'd want the Flash to put behind bars. There's just one problem. He is the Flash. Can Barry Allen get his new powers under control before they kill him? Uh, the art is done by Carmine D. Jim Domenico and written by Joshua Williamson. Okay. That's been an interesting story about um, of what happens when Flash the gets the powers Flash of the first Flash. The future, yeah, <laughs> and then um, and now the fallout of Iris knowing who Barry is, yeah, and being forced upon her without Barry, Barry actually, actually telling, telling her. her. Mm-hmm. So uh, the next one we got up is Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern Corps. Or no, wait, that's the Flash still. I know that it's Hal Jordan. There we go. There's Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan in the Green Lantern Corps number twenty-six, Fall of the Gods Part One. Why, the, the new gods are all over everywhere. Yeah, they're right coming now, back strong. Which is awesome. Well, we have Fall of the Gods Part 1. Ancient hunters awaken across the cosmos to end High Father and the or to end High Father and the new gods. How Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps draw the line between gods or draw the line between gods. But that won't stop the body count as the most powerful deities in the universe go to war. Well, they mentioned High Father and the new gods. Um, they show, is that Orion on the cover? That's what I was thinking, about. I don't think that actually, maybe? But if they're drawing lines know. between the gods. He doesn't have his, uh, other stuff. Does that mean him. we're going to see Darkseid? Possibly. No, that's Orion. That's Orion. Okay. Well, also, remember, last we saw Darkseid was at the very, right before Rebirth. Mm-hmm. He was, um. The very end of New 52. Re- he was reborn as a baby. Yep. So, last we saw, he's still a baby at the moment. We'll get, we got to see what's going on that's here. That's an interesting story. Being held by his daughter, correct? I don't remember who it was because I didn't read that whole story. I need I think, to. I think it was. His it was um, the Dark Side War, I believe, yeah. from um, the previous run of Justice League. Yeah, I, it's been a while um, since I looked anything about that up, so I don't really know for sure. But so that's going to be interesting. Art by is done by Jordi Tarragona and Rafa Sandoval, and is written by Robert Venditti. The next issue we have is Harley Quinn issue number twenty-five, birthday, and it's oversized anniversary issue as Harley. Um, enters a cast of crazy characters. Well, her entire cast. I'm sorry, her entire cast of crazy 
characters come together to celebrate birthday of cyborg senior citizen Shay Boardman. But no, 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 no. It's the cyborg senior citizen Cy Borgman. Who comes up with this though? <laughs> hey. Carly is a crazy <laughs> title. Always, everything's up on its ear on the left side. It's weird, and it, which is awesome. I'm loving this book still. But is there actually a bigger secret behind this gathering? And in Harley Loves Joker Part Nine, my goodness, how many parts are there to this? Um, Harley spent a fortune billing out, billing out the Joker's gang, uh, billing, nah, billing a, out a new Joker gang hideout, and now they're gonna have to take a. Dr- a drastic measure to pay the bill. Um, art is done by Chad Harden. Uh, backup uh, art is done by Jay Bone, uh, Burt Belvinus, and backup writing issues done by Paul Dini and Jimmy Palamani. And the actual title was written by Jimmy Palmiani and Amanda Connor. Next oh, up, we we get <laughs> Justice League of America number twelve. This is a uh, folk. This is the other. Oh no, this is uh, the Ray coming back, right? Uh, no, this is actually Ray Palmer. Right, well, we'll the see. Ray. Ray Palmer coming back. Yeah, you're talking Too about... Too many Rays in one issue, man. <laughs> no, 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 you're talking about um, the Atom. Yeah, the Atom. He's finally coming back, the original one. Well, I wonder this what is... this means if we get another issue, maybe spin off of him coming back, just his own thing, while the this Atom is on this team. Well, maybe this will actually spin off into an actual Atom title, right. with Ray working with um, or Ryan. Work. Yeah, so I want well, something back with him for a title. This is Crisis in the Multiverse Part 1. It's the story you've been waiting for. Ryan Choi leads the JLA on a rescue mission into the multiverse or into the microverse to rescue his long-lost mentor Ray Palmer, the original Adam, and unravel the mystery of his disappearance that we saw back way back in DC Universe Rebirth number 1. Art's done by Ivan Reese and it's written by Steve Orlando. All right. Man, I've been having fun watching um Lobo in that too. Oh yeah, Lobo is uh he's a, you know I got living to Lobo because of that. <laughs> he, he's really a good character. And I'm glad he's uh on our side now. Yes. He's well, fun. he's a fun moment. read. Yeah. As long as Batman can keep him in, keep him in line a little bit. Um next we have New Superman issue number 14. I feel like we have more at 14. I don't know why. Eh. Well, the thing is New Superman's only been a uh, monthly issue. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Um, well, anyways, the zero Ultimatum Part 4. The Justice League of China retains one final chance to rally its forces to begin a counterattack in villain-occupied Shanghai as Emperor Superman conquers the city. As Keenan fights to save the city and its people, a final casualty sakes up the young hero to his solid steel core. Art done by Billy Tan and written by Gene Lun Yang. Okay. Well, next up, we get Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 13. And there's the good old Lex and Bizarro. The Life of Bizarro, Part 2. Uh, Bizarro is dead, or is he? To save Bizarro's life, Red Hood and Artemis must turn to Lex Luthor, Bizarro's creator, who claims he can resurrect their fallen friend. But what plans does Lex Luthor have for his one-time companion? The battle for Bizarro begins here. Art done by Dexter Soy and written by Scott Lobdell. This is another one. It looks like next week there's a couple Luthor stories that are going to show a little bit maybe of who Luthor actually is behind the scenes still. Yeah, it looks like when I cover him holding Bizarro, is he going to try to help bring him back or just... I, You know, the way Lex Luthor has been written um, so far, I think they're going to trick us again. Like, he's going to do something evil, but nope, he's actually here to help. Yeah. Um, well, you got to remember, the great thing about Lex Luthor, Batman's villains are villains. They right. know they're, or they kind of know they're villains, but they're psychotic and crazy. Yeah, they really need help. Luthor has never seen himself as a villain ever. Mm-hmm. He's always seen himself um, in, in the light of, um, 
he's a hero. He's the hero the city should have. And the reason he's against Superman is because Superman's taking his spotlight is right. a lot of what it is. Right. He doesn't want another alien actually saving the day exactly. for humanity. He wants a human to save the day for humanity. He wants, yeah, he wants to be the hero. Um, Which is why he's got the suit now. Yep. Next is Suicide Squad issue number 23. Killing Your Darlings part 3. Amanda Waller has gone off the reservations. She's ordered Task Force X to go full on supervillain and take down the Justice League. No, not that one. They tried that before and didn't work. This time, she's once Batman's new Justice League of America driven before her, dead or alive, and Suicide Squad is happy to oblige. So we got we go right through Justice League versus Suicide Squad, right into Justice League of America versus Suicide Squad. Yep, and the art is done by uh, Augustina uh, Padalin, Pad- Pad- Paldina, and written by Rob Williams. Um, and I want to see them try to take down um, uh, Lobo. Lobo. That's not going to work. Yeah, try to take down Lobo. Superman has tried to stop Lobo, and, and all he work. did was make Lobo leave. There's literally no one on that team that could do so. This is going to fail. I don't think it's going to be a long, yeah. uh, foredrawn series like Suicide Squad versus Justice League. But this will be interesting. And the thing is, they left Captain Boomerang behind. I see he's on the cover here in the last issue. They, they, what happened was uh, Harley Quinn found out that he killed Hack. Oh, okay. And she's like, well, you're staying here in the um, Arctic. And he's just like freezing, like, no, take me with you. But I see he's back on the cover, and there's snow going behind. So who knows what happened. Maybe they're back in the Arctic again. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe they needed him for something. Well, next up we get Supergirl number 12, Emerald Eradication Part 1. The Emerald Empress attack, or Emerald Empress's attack on Supergirl begins as her new Fatal Five assembles. Empress plans to destroy Supergirl's present to preserve her future, goes into full swing as Supergirl tries to hold her own, but soon, but soon even her even her abilities are out of control. Art's done by Daniel Enriquez and Robson Roca, and is written by Steve Orlando. Next is Superwoman, issue number 13, Return to Smallville, searching for an explanation of the source of her powers. Lana's Lana tr- uh, traces her steps back to high school with a teenage Clark Kent in Smallville. With Lana's role as Superwoman hanging in the balance, Lex Luthor makes an unexpected appearance. Lex Luthor's popping up he everywhere, is isn't everywhere. he? Um, the art on this is done by Art uh, Tharbert and Stephen Sogeva, Sogeva and written by Kay Perkins. Wow, yeah, Lex is um, everywhere in these Superman titles right now, uh-huh. and he's not really Lex Luthor. He's yeah. super Lex. <laughs> so we'll find out what's going on there. Next up, though, we get to Titans number 14. Things fall apart. Um, with the, with a traitor in their midst, the Titans reach their breaking point as Nightwing reveals this shocking his shocking prime suspect. As tempers flare and distrust spreads, the team is forced to face a new conspiracy, and the Titans must save Manhattan from the nefarious Trident. Art's done by Norm Rapmond and Brett Booth, and is written by Dan Abnett. And that's uh, the that's, end of our Rebirth yeah. titles. Now we get to our honorable mentions. And um, the first one is because we've been talking about this uh, for a while. We knew it was coming. We actually get Mr. Miracle number one. And this is pretty good. Well, this kind of just goes over what we already said before, not giving too much detail what we already mm-hmm. know. But from the team behind the Sheriff of Babylon and the Hugo Award-nominated writer of Vision comes a unique new take on Jack Kirby's most beloved new gods. Uh 
Scott Free is the greatest escape artist who ever lived, so great that he escaped Granny Goodness, Gruesome's orphanage of the dangers of Apocalypse, to travel across the galaxies to set up a new life on Earth with his wife and former female fury known as Big Barter. Using the stage alter ego of Mr. Miracle, he has made a career of himself showing off for the acrobatic escape techniques. He even caught attention of the Justice League, which is counting him among their ranks. You uh, might say Scott Free has everything, so why isn't it enough? Mr. Miracle has mastered every illusion, achieved every stunt, pulled off every trick except one. He has never escaped death, and it's very and it's every possible. Uh, our is hero, it even possible? Thank you. War is getting tangled. Is it even possible our hero is going to have uh, to kill himself if he wants to find out? That is interesting. That's yeah. something I did not know. Um, written by Tom King, the guy did Batman, illustrated by Mitch uh, Gnards, the did Punisher. This is a miracle unlike any you've ever read before. Awesome. Uh, and then the other honorable mention was, um, I didn't realize last week, but um, this series that started with the New Gods last week, the New Gods special, is actually, let me find the actual ad for it here. For some reason, this slipped under our radar with the news. It's um, well, we did we did discuss a little bit of this when we did everything yeah. else with the Sandman special, Manhunter special, Dark Side special. This, this is was the, one of them. Yeah, this is the um, book two of the basically the Jack Kirby specials for um, to celebrate the um, anniversary or the hundredth or Jack Kirby's one hundredth birthday. If words would work for me, also, uh, let me find. I got the ad here because it has the whole list there. Uh, here we go. Um, these are all the Jack Kirby specials and this week's Jack Kirby special is going to be, um, the newsboy Legion and the boy commandos special. Number one, Jack Kirby's two wartime kid gangs share their first adventure together in a novel length tale written and illustrated by Howard Chaikin. Um, if anybody doesn't know, look back, Howard Chaikin has done a little bit of everything. If I remember right though, Howard Chaikin also was one of the, um, original, um, or he was the original artist on the Star Wars title for Marvel back in the 1970s. Oh, okay. Wow. So he was one of the reasons why all yeah. that was going on. Well, when the Boy Commandos arrive in New York on the trail of a secret secret access agent, they're, they're greeted as turf invaders by the crime-fighting newsboys. Uh, can these kids put aside their rival, rivalry and join forces to protect the home front? Also, a Jack Kirby reprint at the end. Now, this is a 48-page um, format book, art, cover, and written all by Howard Chaikin. So, I, I was cool. It was cool just to see that Chaikin's still out there doing it, working. So, um, and a lot of times, I, I, I didn't even think about it. Kirby actually started writing back in World War II. Um, a lot of what people know of him for was the stuff he did in the '60s in Marvel, in the '70s and mm-hmm. '80s in, ba- in DC. Right. But he was he was originally working for Timely Comics back in the war, wartime era with Stan Lee when he was first starting Marvel. off. Yeah, the early Marvel. So at some point, we should probably do a um, Jack Kirby retrospective of some of the stuff Something, he's done in yeah. his life. And di- well, I was just looking through this guy's stuff, and I'm my yeah. Eyes Howard Chaykin has like, been geez, all over the place. I can't get yeah. through all this. So um, there's a lot of guys out there that have um, had huge impacts on the comic book industry. So, um, but we'll think about that for um, Kirby. That, yeah. He had some great stuff. Uh, but that pretty, pretty much brings us to the end of our show for this week. So, um, Vernon, thanks for hanging out. Uh, this is... 
we had to rush to get this episode out there because yeah. um, you had some family stuff to deal with and everything going on. Um, next week's will probably be a rush episode a little bit too because I'm going on vacation. This yeah, week. you're going to have a ball. <laughs> that's right. Well, I'm going to have an anniversary too. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the ball, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but Vernon, why don't you let everybody know how they can get a hold of the Superpowers podcast? Guys, you can find us on our social media. On Twitter, we are at SuperpowersDC. And on Facebook and Instagram, we are DC Superpowers Podcast. And for everybody that's out there following us, liking our pictures, listening to us, we appreciate it. Um, for my personal uh, social media, you can find me on Instagram, Howlin' That Wolf. You can find me on Instagram, not Instagram, on Twitter, Viello. And for Facebook, I am Vernon McWaymore. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram as GW1Ken. You can also find me on Facebook as Ken Rose. You can find the show on our networks of the Tangibound Network at tangiboundnetwork.com and the Weeby Geeks Network at weebygeekspc.com. You can also email us at the DC Superpowers Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and for that, that's. That's kind of a wrap. Do you got anything else for us today, Vern? Um, uh, for everybody out there that's video game... Oh, another thing in uh, video game news. We are going to get us. I don't know if I said this before, but it's coming out real soon. There's some things on YouTube already. Another video game stuff. Uh, Cy- not Cyber, I'm sorry. Starfire is now on Injustice for DLC. Nice. So we have that, and we have the Batman um, Telltale series that I talked about. So if anybody's a video game fan... It's a good week for us. I'm going to down that later tonight, actually. And actually, we have been talking with Otaku Paradise, the YouTube yes. channel, because um, the video we made didn't work. It didn't. Something happened. Um, I think the Legion of Doom got in there and corrupted um, the video or something. But um, we are talking to them about d- still doing an Injustice video. I don't know if we're going to wait until all the DLC drops or do it earlier. I'm not sure what how the plan is going to work. Yeah, we still got a ton of DLC there. Release night. I think they said nine characters, and we're getting the first three, which was uh, uh, Starfire, uh, Red Hood, and uh, Sub-Zero. So we still got six more coming, and I don't know when those are dropping. So we've got time. Yeah. We definitely have time. So, um, well, Vernon, thank you for hanging out this week, my friend. Anytime. And it's, it's always fun. Super friends, thank you for hanging out and listening, and we'll see you next time. 